2016 from Chocolate Disaster, the world's first and premier anime podcast. I'm Chorpsaway. And I'm Jordan. And today we're here to do a review of all the shows we watched from the fall 2015 season. You're damn right. We watched a lot of shows. And we kept with some of them. We dropped some of them. We even picked some up midway that we didn't think we were going to beforehand. Whoa. And that's what we're going to talk about. We got a, we got our list up. But before that, we got to share some hot news with you. Fresh off the press and all, a lot of it actually very old and moldy because that's just how it goes with this podcast. Sure, but I mean, it happens. Yeah. First up, we talked about Berserk last time. Uh-huh. We're like, oh, Berserk got off the boat. Oh, they're finally finishing the story. Oh, it's it's going back to irregular printing. Yep. I think the next one's supposed to come out this summer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is correct. <laughs> oh. But in light of the fact that they dropped the ball on that, they're also going to be releasing a new anime series of Berserk. Yep. Uh, if I understand correctly, it is another rehash of the uh, of the Golden Age art. No, 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 no. All right, okay. here's what they're gonna do. Uh, they haven't actually explicitly said anything yet, but okay. the key art for it makes it look like it's gonna start at the start with the Black Swordsman arc. Okay, and then it'll probably do the Golden Age arc right after because that's where it belongs. Okay, <laughs> but it is all done in 3D. <laughs> It, it, it's or basically see, it, entirely in 3D CG. It, this, uh, the PV did make it look that way, yeah. It's really poorly animated. Yeah, for those of you that have seen uh, the three Berserk movies that covered the Golden Age arc, it, this is being done by the same studio, uh, Studio 4 Degrees or 4C, I don't want to do two. Yeah. And the CGI looks as bad as it did in that movie, if not a little bit worse. The re- like... I feel like in stills it looks fine and it evokes the sort of style, but as soon as motion happens, it's very obvious that it's like a, a cheap sort of CG. Yeah, and if they're gonna go all CG, you know, I'd rather they didn't, but if that's what they're gonna do anyway, <laughs> then don't, like, don't chain it to those anime constraints of running at 24 frames per second and having, like, weird shadows that that's plop all over the place. always such a weird thing. You'd think they'd embrace, sort of, even just, like, giving it, like, the standard 30 and just, like, you know, keeping it like that, because I don't feel like that would add too much to, like, the workload, especially since you're already working in 3D. I mean, you, you'd have to make, uh, probably need more keyframes, so that is mm-hmm. more work, I think, but still. It still fits the, it fits the genre of what they're going for better in that yeah. way, instead of... <laughs> by not looking bad? By, yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> You're right, though. Ugh. In oh, other well. news, uh, other release news, uh, D. Grayman is getting a new TV anime series this year. Yeah! With a brand new uh, cast. Not staff, cast. And as far as it seems, it's going to be a continuation of the series. So, unlike Berserk, where it's going to rehash the story again, or it looks like it, it's going to continue on from the end of the 103 episode yes. original anime. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Uh, D. Grayman also was announced earlier to be, um, in a quarterly magazine, uh, Jump Square Crown. Yeah. So it looks like, in general, D. Grayman is just coming back full force. D. Grayman, maybe now we'll finally get some figmas or something. Maybe. We can only hope. Yeah. 
And also, we we have been watching D. Gray Man. Yeah, so I've been um, uh, I've been tied up in this basement to watch all of D. Gray Man <laughs> before the new series starts, so I can watch the new series. Because both uh, me and or both I and uh, Chorps's girlfriend have seen all of D. Gray Man, and Chorps has seen none of it, so we're watching it with him. We're forcing him to watch this good series. Right? How dare you? First of uh, all. <laughs> I can't believe this. It's pretty good so far. We're like five episodes in. Yeah, we're almost there. And there's like a lot of stuff I don't recognize in the uh, in the like key art for the new D Gray Man. So it's like, oh, I can't wait to figure out what's I, going on there. A lot beyond a certain point, a lot of things start happening. Yeah. Okay. I can't wait until we get to the sexy amputee arc. What? Yeah. Okay. You'll see. You'll find out. <laughs> All right. Uh, some other news. Uh, it seems like Gintama is reaching an endpoint. Uh, it is the Mentak that they are considering reaching the final arc, kind of uh, trying to tie up all the loose ends that Gintama kind of creates and then throws away for its gag series. Uh-huh. So it looks like that might be getting close to its end, which uh, <laughs> I believe after this uh, interview with the creator about this... There were, like, a bunch of Bleach fans that wrote into whatever magazine he did the interview for saying, uh, don't worry, our series started its final chapter three years ago. Yep. Because <laughs> uh, the author makes a joke that's like, you know, if we're, if we're trying to tie up all of these things, Gintama might last for another 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I mean, with Gintama, it's like, occasionally the main plot comes back, because uh, I think yes. the anime finally hit, like, the big serious arc that everyone really likes, the Shogun Assassin. Right. Assassination one. Are they and only so, that far in? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Huh. Pretty sure they just started that arc in the anime. Okay. Um, Or at least, like, a couple weeks back. So, that's starting now, and then I guess that's closer to the end than I would have expected with Gintama. I thought it was a lot older. I, but, yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah. it's worth noting that this is not, like, the the author himself probably didn't decide that he wanted to end the manga because Gintama has pretty consistently been in the bottom five, uh, of Shonen Jump popularity polls right there with Bleach. So <laughs> Both they, of which reach in their end. Yeah, so it was probably, like, a, a, a cut, like, it's probably being cut short by editorial. Uh, I think kind of like Naruto. <laughs> yeah. It happens, and I think honestly, for in some way, in some ways, and another, there's like a probably better for it. Yeah, Gintama has run long enough. I think it's it's fine for it to end now because the thing about manga, right, mm -hmm. is that there, especially these series that are like really you can see right from the start that they are meant to be long runners. There's never an appropriate time to end them. So really, mm -hmm. it's not like oh man, Gintama it just needed those couple extra years to really flesh its story out. It, it doesn't matter. They could have ended it now, they could have told him to end it five years ago, and really the result would have been the same. Okay. So, uh, other some other news. Uh, TQ is a very, um, somehow strong-sanding series in anime, <laughs> constantly getting new seasons greenlit, probably because of the low number of staff members. Yeah. But uh, the spinoff of TQ, called Usukame, is also getting a TV anime, and it features the rivals of the TQ tennis team that definitely exists when they play <laughs> tennis in the show. Right. But, uh, they're, so that's happening. And the same staff, like for director and the studio and everything are going to be exactly the same. 
So if, thought? You, if you like TQ, get ready for a double dose of TQ in the form of Usakame. <laughs> oh. So it's th- so this is a spinoff based on other TQ source material, right? This is based on other characters and focuses on a different tennis club at a school. Uh, okay. So yeah, it is within canon. <laughs> All right, great. I'm glad that's what I needed to know. It's gonna be like it's gonna be like uh, Holic and uh, Subasa Chronicle, where it probably has crossovers between episodes. I'm all right. Well, I'm at peace now. My mind's at rest. Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry. I'm sure the canon will be preserved. Okay. So, speaking of sports anime, this is something that I ran across just going through, and it's like, huh? Apparently, there is a. Uh... So there's like that motorcycle girls anime that's coming out that looks kind of gross. Rolling but girls? No, there's a different one. It's about like it's called like Bakun or something, and it's uh it's about these like girls who join like a motorcycle club at school, and it's kind of grossly drawn. All right. But I've learned that there's also a regular bicycling anime with girls in it. As I guess, like a counterpoint to like uh, Yoamushi Pedal, that's coming out uh, at least with an anime this fall. And I just i I wonder if Yoamushi Pedal is like the the progenitor of like this general like biking sort of like trend mm-hmm. that seems to be popping up more, or if it's just like a thing that is now popular in Japan. It's just the media trying to get you to stop to be more just, trying to get you to be more eco friendly. Yeah, and probably to work out some. Yeah, I mean, look at like Anatori EX. That technically was trying to teach you to work out. Yeah, but then at the end they tell you to like go eat cake or whatever, and that's not healthy. Oh, what the? That's not okay. I mean, but then the character got punished for it, so maybe they. I don't know. Maybe wait. Did you? <laughs> I can't believe you know all this. I, I was told about it, or oh, I read okay. about it. Okay. Then, uh, one thing I pointed out last time is that Crunchyroll has been picking up all the Lupin the Third except for the most recent one. But thankfully, they announced very recently that they're picking up the most recent Lupin the Third series. Just in time for the new season. <laughs> Just in time for the new season, since it's a two-core thing. Yeah. So, the first entire core that they missed out on is going to be released... Uh, January 7th, which will be after this is released, but just so you know. Um, so they have all of the back episodes being released that day, and then it will continue to be simulcast weeks after that. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. It was worrisome that no one picked it up before, but I guess it might have been just like a rights thing that was going wrong. Yeah, it was probably tied up for whatever reason. Yeah. So, that's pretty cool. Um, I've been looking forward to watching it, but unfortunately there just weren't any... venues with which to watch it so that should be interesting no legal ones anyway yeah yeah i'm and, glad and the it's illegal ones like, were sketchy but yeah and i'm glad that we finally get to watch this now because it's not like i don't already have enough anime to watch this season right exactly i've a bit i've just been thinking to myself i'm just not watching enough anime <laughs> me this guy who has to go and start a job soon why can't i just watch more but yeah Please donate to our to patreon.com slash Chaco Disaster. <laughs> so that we don't have to work and can watch anime. <laughs> Full time. Finally. <laughs> uh, that sounds like the dream. <laughs> okay, so uh, some other announcements. Uh, so, 
March Comes In Like a Lion is a pretty popular manga series, if I understand it's, correctly. It's really good. Okay, you uh, talk about pro- it, since you probably know more about it. Um, I mean, it's kind of... There, there's very little to really explain about it, but basically it's about this uh, young kid who's like a really good shogi player. Uh, and he lives alone, and he doesn't really have that many friends. And really, the only people he goes around with are the people that uh, live near him, which includes someone who owns all these like really weird cat creatures. And it's just kind of like, it's just, uh, I don't want to call it Slice of Life, but it's just a really calm, interesting series with good characters. Uh, okay. With great characters, really, which is what makes it stand out so much. All right. And so the uh, that has been announced not only for a live action movie, but also now for a TV anime. Yes. And the name of the uh, studio attached to that right now is Shaft, which Shaft, you may know from like Madoka and the Monogatari series. And Nisekoi. Best known for deserving better. Right, exactly. Best known for having done nothing to deserve this. (laughs) Not this show, but the situation they're in. Right, and so, like, Shaft has a very, like, distinct style to it. That I think might benefit something a little more, like, toned down. Like, something like March Comes In Like a Lion would be. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of more... Because, I mean, like... If nothing else can be said about it, Gourmet Girl Graffiti, it looked nice. <laughs> sure. I've, I haven't seen it, but the key art looked nice, I guess. So it's like taking something like this, something a little more low-key, something a little more that lets them kind of like, I think, spread their like style more uh-huh. might benefit the style, you know? Maybe. I don't know. Ni- and maybe uh, get them better jobs. Nisekoi is pretty low-key as well. I mean, like, it's pretty hyperactive emotionally, but it's... Uh... Yeah, and it has a very distinct, like, interesting style, I think, to it. Yeah, absolutely. The over-the-top faces and everything, but that might just be the original material. Yeah. But, I mean, what I was going to say is even then, like, Nisekoi is pretty, is pretty wild, and they've never really done anything that's that's like this, like, because Monogatari is, like, really trippy and out there. Right, it's, it's very much like a, uh, it's a thinky sort of series. Yeah, and then... I don't know, this is just really different for them, and I wonder if they'll be able to, like... I mean, I guess if they'll be able to is not the right way to put it, but if they'll make the decision to tone things down a little to the appropriate level for the series. I assume that it's going to be a reverent sort of thing. All right. I mean, with the amount of attention, I think, that in general that this series has gotten, I don't see why it would be anything else. Like, it doesn't seem like it's as much of, like, a cash-in or anything. It seems like it's something that's done... Do the popularity to kind of spread its influence more than anything. Yeah. And I think for the most part, when things like that are done for good series, they tend to have pretty good adaptations. Well, I'm sure it'll be a good adaptation. I just wonder if it'll be like an uh, an accurate and appropriate adaptation. Mm, okay. Well, we'll look out for that then. I don't think they've yeah. announced when it's going to be airing. No. So, all right. Uh, some other news. Uh, Makoto Shinkai, um, popular director... Uh, for doing things like five centimeters per second, has also uh, been announced that his original um, like TV short, I think it's called uh, She and Her Cat, is going to be getting a full-size TV anime. Whoa. Which is pretty neat because a lot of, um, a lot of uh, Shinkai's earlier work is sort of... Um, you can tell all the influences of the later stuff is still there, 
but the art style and everything is very, it's a lot more simplistic. It's a little more juvenile. Okay. So seeing sort of an updated version of these older works might be interesting, especially this one. Um, Shinkai does a lot of like very like low key sort of heavy emotional sort of series where not a lot happens, but you feel for the characters. Okay. And this is all about a, a, a girl who, uh, is a junior college student who job hunts and lives alone with her uh, cat and just kind of the experiences that she has through, you know, her sort of mundane life. So it could be kind of boring depending on how much you can get out of, you know, like 12 episodes of that. Or it could be, you know, kind of just like a longer form sort of movie. So um, worth looking into, I think. Sure. I mean, you can't you can't say anything about it at this early stage. Yeah. So, so we'll just it's, have to wait and it's see. tough. It's tough to say, but it's just like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool, kind of yeah. thing. And then one more. Um, Netflix and DreamWorks have decided to do like an expansion of, I guess, some kind of deal that they've had, and it includes two big things of note. First of all is an original series from uh, Guillermo del Toro called Troll Hunters. But then second of all is a reimagining of Voltron. Voltron being one of the like original like Sentai Robo Mech sort of series. Yeah. Voltron's like a car, right? That transforms into a, a lion with a sword. Well, it's like there are five lions that okay. are originally cars and then they form into the big Robo Man. Okay. Who's got a sword, and one of his hands is a lion, and his other hand is also a different lion. Right, but he also has, like, a lion. He's, like, a regular robot head inside a lion head, right? Yes. Okay. And then his feet are also lion heads. <laughs> Great. It's a good time. But it's interesting to see something kind of that old, and definitely something that, um... I guess timeless is maybe not the exact word I'm looking for. I would not call Voltron timeless. But, like, something with as much... It still has, like an audience it still has like it still is important to anime sure because they still release things about voltron yeah we still so, know what voltron is yeah so like voltron still exists in the public consciousness so to do a reimagining and kind of like i guess update it for newer children types when was the last time when was the last time a new voltron thing came out uh goodness um because the franchise was... Hmm, I think they had one even, like, five years ago, maybe? Oh, okay. That's not as long ago as I would have thought. No, but, um... Oh, that might just be outside of Japan, though. I'm not hmm. sure if that was a... I think that might have been an English-only one. Uh, Voltron because... Force? Oh, oh, okay. I think was US TV only, but I'm not sure about the other... Uh, like, I guess more official Voltrons, I'm not sure about. Because I don't, like, me mecha stuff doesn't interest me at all. Right. But I know, which means that I really don't know much about Gundam or Macross or stuff like that. But I know, like, from my position, I know about as much about Gundam and Macross as I do about Voltron, even though, at least I thought, it had been way longer since the last Voltron thing. I think the last time since, like, a big-name Voltron thing, it's been, like, since the 80s. Yeah, so I think, like, just that alone speaks to at least the, the kind longevity. of impact that it has made. Yeah, sure. Yeah. 
so that's uh that's coming out it seems uh oh right and then uh i believe the dub of voltron was released like in like the 2000s okay like way late i don't know why but i know i'm pretty sure that's what happened but yeah, it's got, like, a weird longevity to it that makes it seem interesting to see what it happens to it once it gets updated. Yeah. I'm also not, like, super into Mecha as is. So, I mean, worth, I guess, like, investigating. I don't know if I'd watch it, though. Maybe Michael Bay will direct it. Maybe. I mean, it is DreamWorks. Just like Michael Bay. Yeah. Is he? But it's it's interesting to see, like, DreamWorks doing this sort of stuff. I don't think they've done a lot of, like anime style projects um no i i guess not uh but they've well, done but they've well, done transformers but there's stuff like um is is dreamworks transformers dreamworks was the transformers tri- four movies they did the dark side of the moon or the dark of the moon and the revenge of the fallen i'm pretty sure oh okay but i mean they have made stuff like um what was that movie where uh, Santa Claus and Jack Frost and the Easter Bunny all team up? The to, Ring. Like, right. Rise of the Guardians. Yeah, Rise of the Guardians. That That is about as anime as a Western 3D animated movie gets. Right. So I've there's there's potential there. Sure. And again, they did Transformers, so I mean, there's more. There's there's all there's robots there already. They know how to do the explosions. Yeah. So, hey. But that's enough news for now. That's all I had. So now, we get to the meat of the show. The, the real thing you've been waiting for. That's to talk about anime that we watched. This season. This season. Last Not season. all anime we watched. That we would be right. here for a while. <laughs> well, let me start with Love Hina. <laughs> <laughs> no. Alright, so, uh, you start us off, Jordan. Okay. Or discuss the uh, the order in which we're doing things. It's a little different. So the way we're doing this, well, it's basically the same thing we did last time, except this time we actually have the order put it uh, like we have it written out officially before we start. <laughs> yeah, we have this planned out ahead of time. Weird. <laughs> Who would have thought? Um, <laughs> so we're going to start off with uh, all the shows that we finished this season. Uh, all the shows that whether we liked it or were apathetic towards it or even hated it so much that we just felt compelled to keep watching it, um, we're going to talk about those first. And, and at the very top, oh, sorry. On. And so um, this also includes shows that are continuing through to next season. Yes. But we have finished the core, as it were. We don't want to talk about twenty four episodes next time. That we, right. That's a I lot. Mean, yeah, only talking about the show at the end of the season is already pushing it. <laughs> So at the very top, we're going to have shows that we both finished. And then after that, shows that we finished, but only one of us watched. Uh, then we get to the shows that uh, either of us dropped. For one reason and, or another. Yeah. Um, and then we have shows that we picked up in the middle of the season and then maybe dropped later or maybe finished. Uh, but just things- stuff that we stuff that we didn't think about watching before and picked up eventually yeah after hearing good things about it right or maybe changing our mind on it who knows um the mid-season pickup category trumps the finished and dropped category because it it has to be either of the two so right (laughs) it it couldn't be a category if it wasn't for that exactly Uh, that is of course unless 
the other person already watched it from the start. Yeah. Uh, if we and we both ended up watching it, then it goes into the aforementioned category. Because we don't need two separate times where both of us talk about how much we loved uh d- the Valkyrie Drive Mermaid. Y- yeah. Exactly. A show that I have been watching since day one. <laughs> and one that I picked up three <laughs> three hours ago. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Had so... Had to get that in before the podcast. Right. <laughs> I, look, I'm a very busy person. <laughs> I watched it all at double speed. Um, so, first up, we have probably the most anticipated show of the season. The biggest show of the season, yeah. One Punch Man. One Punch Man. It was good. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, I guess full disclosure before we start. uh, In our great wisdom, we decided to record the Anime of the Year podcast before this. (laughs) Which, as we've approached the recording for today's session, I've come to realize was a really bad idea. Because now we're just going to sound like broken records throughout this entire episode. Well, we could be a little more critical here. I don't think we were quite as critical and, like, just talked more about the series then. That is true. I mean, I'm sure there will we'll still have new stuff to say. <laughs> but it's going to be a lot of, oh, man, you're going to hear me talking for ten minutes about how sexy I think uh, the old guy is. Right. Moving writer. Yeah. The, yeah, he, him. The old man. <laughs> but no. I mean, um, he's probably in his 30s. Oh, probably. That's way too old. That's too old for me. So, One Punch Man, um, very, very popular. Uh, and I think it basically hit every expectation that fans could have had for it. I think One Punch Man, at least in the West, it wasn't even that popular before it started, and I think it really picked up momentum as the series went on, and mm-hmm. like really good word of mouth, word of mouth ended up spreading. Because I think on the because like, the New York Times bestseller stuff does manga as a separate thing. Yeah. I'm pretty sure for the past few weeks um, all three One Punch Man volumes have been at the top. Oh, or like the top ten. And like four Tokyo Ghoul ones, but still. Um, so, like, all the One Punch Man ones have been selling really well. And I think that's a testament to how good, I think, the anime adapts the, uh, the series. Yeah. Because you, you might see, like, jokes going around about how the manga is more well animated than, uh-huh. the, uh, than the anime. And that happens in a couple cases. But I think the transition from 2D, well, I mean, like, I was going to say 2D, the 3 that's not right. But uh, <laughs> the transition from the manga to the anime, I think, works really well. I think it still has the same feel and impact as you would expect out of, you know, some of the fight sequences and stuff. Like, you still get drawn into the action and the motion and everything, even if it isn't quite as pristine yeah. as it presents itself in the manga. Because with the manga, you don't have to do, like, all the extra in-between stuff. and You don't have to worry about that. You can just worry about making the best possible frame. Yeah, and I think uh, some jokes were, like, even enhanced by being an animated form. Uh, for example, I think it's in the very first episode, there's the part where the uh, scientist makes his brother drink the potion to grow, like, super buff and huge. Mm-hmm. And then once Saitama shows up, uh, the, like, now giant brother accidentally squishes his older brother who is on his shoulder. And I think um, because it gives you... Uh, because it, like, forces you to take your time to, like, notice that he hit the, his wrong shoulder, the one that has his brother on it, and not Saitama. 
uh, once the actual like punchline to it comes, it's a lot funnier than when you just read a manga and it's three panels on a page and you might not even like realize what happened at first because you went over it so fast. Yeah, and I think with like kind of musical timing and everything like that, it can definitely like make gags hit better. Yes, because like um, like the very dramatic sort of ending to the um that first like real arc with the um the the animal genetic modifications mm-hmm. where like Saitama realizes that he's missed the sale and he just goes nuts i think that works a lot better in the anime where kind of it it has all the appropriate time to kind of like slow down and take everything into perspective and then kind of ramp up the intensity i think in the, in the manga that joke isn't even there i think it's somewhere oh, really? else yeah huh. it might it might just even be like a one panel gag at the end of a volume that's weird I might but, be misremembering, but, but I think yeah. things like that still like work well in animation and yeah, maybe sure. like elevate some of the material. Because then, even when the action comes to it, it's really well done action. Yes, yeah. like despite the fact that you know exactly how every fight is going to end, it's the build up to that that is the interesting part. Yeah, sure. the interesting part is not the single punch; it's how you get to the single punch. Because a lot of people end up, like, getting beat to shit, and then you have Saitama come in, take, like, a million punches, and then he just, like, flicks someone and a hole erupts in their chest, kind of thing. I will say that I think the fights in the series that aren't, that don't end with just one punch are the better fights. Like, uh, for example, the spar the sparring match between Genos and Saitama, and, yeah. the, and the dream fight against the, uh, the underground people in episode oh, two. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... So I don't know if they, I don't know if you would consider that a valid criticism or not, but there you go. Well, I mean, like it definitely because of the because of its you know setup, it has to end the same way every time. Yeah, and I think that when it breaks that, it's a little more interesting because you don't know what's going to happen. Like you know, when Saitama and Geno spar, Saitama's not going to just kill Geno's. No. So you wonder how everything is going to end, you know, and it's a little more interesting that way. Yeah, but still, it, like it helps. It helps to make fights a little less one-sided. Yeah, because every other fight is basically a very long setup to a punchline, where the punchline is the punch. Yeah. Heh. <laughs> but um. Got him. I think overall it was just really well done with a with one like major flaw, and then a couple other just like little things that don't really affect. I think my opinion on it. Okay. But I think the biggest the biggest failing of One Punch Man. Yeah. Is the last fight where the the opening kicks in. Yeah, that was very that was they that should have been handled way better. Cuz it's not it's not that that's not a cool thing. It's a cool thing when they use like the opening as the big fight song, you know, kind of get you pumped up with that. That is like the classic way to pump someone up yeah. for a fight, like to use the theme song and have it play over it. And like the what and like the OP is not like one of the better OPs uh, in anime, but I think it works really well for what would have been a really good like final battle montage sort of thing. If the moment where the one punch shout happened had been good, I would have probably cried, but it sucked. Yeah, like there's no impact to any of the stuff that happens there. Because like when he they do the big one punch yell, nothing happens. Does he even punch him at that point? I don't think so. I think so. it's just him dodging. Yeah. But like and then like he's like he's um like through the whole thing you get like extra you know, you get the extra verses, you get the bridge, you get all this different stuff, and there's no real attempt to sink any of it. No yeah, that was and the I weirdest think that's part. sort of a weird failing 
on Madhouse's part not to sink anything to it. Because even, like, there are, like, parts in the song where it just feels like that would be where an impact happens because of it just, like, a huge hit. Yeah. But then they just miss out on that. I don't know. This seems like a weird thing to mess up. Um, Because it's... I can't imagine that they didn't know that when you do this, you're supposed to sync up the animation to the song to a degree. Because I'm pretty sure Madhouse has done similar things with a much Probably. better... So I wonder so. at what point in the process this this went wrong. Like, did they get to a point where they realized there's no way we can put these cuts at the right places? Or did they just not have the time to, like, sync that up and, like, uh, properly communicate it with all the animators? Or was it, like, a last-minute decision to use the opening song? Yeah. Like, they didn't have a track that they thought really fit, so they went with the opening or something. I don't know. I don't know. It just didn't really work. But other than that, I think it was a really strong series, and it was... More or less exactly what you'd want out of an anime adaptation of One Punch Man. Yeah. There it, is there is oh. one more thing that I didn't like, mm-hmm. but that, this is a problem that the manga also has, so you take this for whatever it's worth. But I think um, trying to have the big emotional moment with, like, Moomin Rider standing up to the villain that he can't possibly beat uh, in the middle of the series, it just doesn't work, in my opinion. Okay. Because um, I've seen... Not a lot of people, but enough people to make it a trend say that One Punch Man is a comedy series with a lot of heart. And I strongly disagree with that notion. I think One Punch Man is one of the most brutal and heartless comedies there is. Yeah, I think a lot of the joke, I think, is just how brutal it all is and kind of how anticlimactic all of it is. Yeah, exactly. Because up until that point, a lot of the times when uh, characters try to do like the sort of somewhat cliche, like sort of emotional outings, they get beat down for that. Yeah. And it's so weird to see the series do that exact same thing and then play it straight later on. Mm -hmm. And it it takes up a lot of that episode. And it's, it's just so strange. And I just don't think it works at all. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, One of the things you can very clearly, it, it seems... First of all, that the story sets it up this way, but also that the anime really pushes this um, desire for another season. Yes. Because throughout the entire last episode, it's just like a thousand loose ends, you know, a thousand new plot points get brought up that only will um, make any sense if you either read the manga now or if you have a second season. Yeah, because I think we didn't even see the like the uh, the superhero who's like a, a movie star or whatever until Handsome like episode, or whatever. yeah until episode eleven. Or no, 10? we saw him before that. It was just like the hey, Genos, welcome to S rank or whatever. Yeah, but he hasn't been relevant until then. Yeah, he doesn't it, do anything, and his meaningful. story hasn't been resolved yet. But something has definitely been set up. And then there's the thing with Iron Mask or whatever the guy right, is called. Right, the whole like Genos. oh, watch out because he's your enemy. Yeah, that yeah. Thing. And then kind of everything else, like the, oh, you're all pitiful, you know, you're all pitiful heroes. I'm at the top of A rank so that people trash like you can't get to S rank or whatever. So it's Which, which we've seen that that's not how it works. So right. I don't know what he's trying to achieve. So it's really weird. And uh, I don't think it deters too much from the rest of the series being as strong as it was. Yeah. But it's definitely a weird choice, I think. It's unless they bit... unless they like know they're getting more episodes or something, which I don't they think probably they do. know. Okay, maybe. Um, like I think they knew ahead of time that One Piece, uh, One Punch Man was going to make them money. <laughs> oh man, imagine if they did One Piece though. Uh, no, Madhouse, don't. <laughs> you deserve so much better. 
but yeah, I think I think One Punch Man is just a very strong series, kind of exactly what you expect out of it. Yeah. And it it does what it does well. Definitely there are just a lot of like really nice like animation stuff and a lot of really well done like uh like touches that help like transfer the medium. Cause you have like the <laughs> You have like the speed of uh, speed of sound Sonic fight, where like the accidental nut tap. There's like the which almost, looks beautiful, almost disgustingly animated like nut tap. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was disgusting because it was um the the shape was very arbitrary. Yeah, like, but it, but you like the sound and everything that goes along with it is okay, kind of sure. what I meant. All right, uh, I think it, I, what I'm saying is it could have been way worse. Oh, sure. But I, so like I think things like that help play up the joke more or less. Yeah. Of like you know oh he just ends with you know the accidental, the accidental nut punch. Yeah. Kind and of thing. There's also the part uh, we talk about this in the anime of the year cast as well where uh, they are like in the forest and like I don't I already forgot what it is but it's like Sonic or like Silver Fang is like zooming around Saitama really fast. That's uh, the- that's speed of sound Sonic. Yeah, and then in the manga, it's like they do this 360 around Saitama, but in the anime, it's just really weird. They have him, like, sort of phasing across the screen from multiple angles. And, and I, I feel like... Even though good. that's less impressive, I, I actually thought it was more funny because I was expecting something else. Yeah, I think it's a lot funnier, uh, like, as an idea. Like, you see the speed stuff, and just, like, Saitama is just not interested. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it hits the joke better for that particular feeling. It was really good. Not nearly as, like, immaculately drawn and stuff. Yeah. This is good. Because it's actually, like, the combination of, like, really well done art in the the manga and, like, really well done art that is, like, also, um, um, that's also, like, very sequential. It it doesn't clash with the comedy of One Punch Man, but it it doesn't feel like a natural fit. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think... It's, you know, it's interesting that for some of those parts, they took it in a different direction for the anime. Yeah. I think most of the time for the better. I think just in general, like, it, they knew how to, like, present the story in the different medium. Yeah. So that's... Good stuff. uh, Yeah, this is good. I think that's, like, the thing you can really take away from it. One Punch Man is good. Except for Puri Puri Prisoner. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little... And the and the 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 forty thousand year old lady that looked like a little girl. <laughs> Is she like thirty? Oh, sure. But still, it's not good. Yeah. Yeah, like those things. That's not like an adaptation issue. That's just you know source material isn't perfect kind of thing. Yeah. So I mean, you, they they had to do with what they had. Otherwise, I don't know, I th- they could have probably cut pre pre prisoner, and I don't think they would have had to change much. Um, they might have had to change the last fight a lot more. Does well, he really like, do any, anything super important in well, that fight? I, is he the one that finds the beads? The first time? Um, maybe, yeah. But still, it's like, there are definitely some changes that would have had to been made. But I think if you're just doing a straight adaptation, it's supposed to be more faithful. You did the best you could with that material. Yeah, I guess. Because I think it actually almost toned down sort of like... Pre-prisoners, like, kind of yes. gross parts. Yeah. So, I think, all in all, pretty good job. Thank you, Madhouse. Madhouse saves anime. One Punch they Man is it. good. Yep. That's that's what you that's what you should take away from this podcast, if nothing else. 
Speaking of other things that are good, though, we have uh, Sakurako-san's investigation. The beautiful bones, which is... Or a corpse is buried under Sakurako-san's feet. Yeah. You could go any number of ways with that name. But, um... Sakurako-san was one I picked up after I heard how good the first episode was from you. Yeah. Um, it was... It, it, it was a really good first episode. It it does a really good job, I think, of just, like, presenting the story. Because it doesn't really do a lot in the first episode, but it does a good, like, kind of cold open to the series. Because it kind of starts in the middle of this relationship between Sakurako and her assistant. I don't think it's really a cold open because they have the, the narration oh, by so. uh, Shotaro yeah. to give you context. Yeah, I, but, like... You don't get, like, the build-up of their relationship there. It's like, you start, yeah. and you... You get that at the of, very end. Yeah, exactly. It's weird. <laughs> but, um, Sakurako-san's really weird, because, um, it's probably the closest anime has gotten to, like, really pulling off the sort of, like, American, like, crime procedural serial sort of thing. Yeah, because what what else has there ever really been like that? Like, Darker Than Black has flights of that? Yeah, but, like, I think this one... I think is the closest to the genre it's ever had, especially because it's, like, very much a crime procedural. It's like, you have this skeleton you find, and, you know, Sakurako can look through it and, like, oh, you know, this is because of strangulation or things like this, and it's kind of puzzling backwards to figure out what happened to this person. Yeah, but I think even then, you know, it, it, you can't compare it to American crime procedural so, like, directly because this show never really feels the need to, like amp it up to keep the audience engaged like right. there's no <clears throat> there's no part where like ice tea busts in and says motherfucker or whatever yeah um, i mean there's definitely parts where the story escalates in like a very like i think american sort of way where it's like oh there's a big villain you know behind all of this kind of yeah. thing yeah but nothing that like is exactly like a you know the guy putting on the cool shades and saying a pun or uh is it Ice Tea that talks about has all like the weird lingo and stuff figured out? In uh, I don't know if it's Ice Tea or Ice Cube. It's one of the two. <laughs> yeah, because they're both in different crime procedurals. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> really? The one from uh, uh, Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Yeah. Well, okay. No, there's okay. There's a lot of rappers. It seems because I know um, LL Cool J is in I think in NCIS. Oh, that's right. One he of is. them. But still, so uh, that's getting off topic. <laughs> yeah, and maybe there are American crime dramas that don't work like that, but if they are, I don't know about them, and they're a lot less mainstream. Yeah, so Sakurako-san, it's, it's very condensed stories, like one to two episodes to tell any particular story, and sometimes it's like a big thing where like, oh, we found someone dead and we need to figure out what happened to them. And then sometimes it's even just like a kind of character building sort of thing, where you know, characters are just stuck in a situation that doesn't have to involve Sakurako. Yeah, that's but mostly at the start, I feel. Yeah, but you'll have, like, the, the festival episode, which really doesn't have a lot to do with Sakurako. No. It's very much about, um, oh, what's the girl's name? I'm so bad at remembering names of characters from anime. It's okay, I'm even worse. But, so, like, it's all about her, more or less, and her development with these different characters. Even, like, the side characters feel like they're fleshed out in some way, even just a little bit. And I think that's important, is that you still have, like, a core to these characters, something that's going on with them. Yeah, because they're... when when in the final episode, when you see uh, Shotaro, like, run by all the, like, side characters, 
I, like you know if they hadn't been developed i would have been like oh whatever this is a scene but because you like get you get to know quite a bit about all these characters and you get to like learn to love them in a way it's more it's a more charming scene because of that yeah you see him run by the cop and it's like hey that's that cop who's like a, a guy yeah and it's like you know because you with the cop it's like you know he was in the first like two-parter mystery and he played a pretty big role in it yeah. Because he's sort of like a happy-go-lucky sort of dude trying to help out this guy who's very much convinced that he's cursed to die sort of thing. Yeah. And, like, all these different mysteries, the only thing really connecting them is the, um, and more more than anything else, the, the rapport between Shotaro and Sakurako. Yeah. Because Sakurako plays sort of like a stereotypical, like, uh, a little bit, like, socially dense sort of like genius yeah and then you have shotaro who's much more of the emotional type of character so i wouldn't who... call I, w- I wouldn't call sakurako stereotypical um i guess stereotypical is not the right word but like you you know the type of character okay yeah, sure. I mean, more of a classic sort of character it was like genius who doesn't quite have any social grace all right very blunt and often to her detriment sure but like, um, as as the mysteries go on, it's it's a really honestly. I think one thing I think also separates it from um, American shows of a similar style is that it's also a lot more low key. Because like, yeah, absolutely, there's besides the one big case that gets dropped at the end, all the rest of it is like very small scale sort of stuff. It's like, oh, you know. This character's grandmother's gone missing. They find the body and try to figure out what happened. Was she murdered? What happened? Kind of thing. I mean, or, even that's pretty important, but it's treated as, like, a, it's presented very low-key. Yeah, and or, like, the one where they're going through the school stuff. Yeah. Uh, from, like, a I think a teacher who died and kind of, like, collecting all the bones from there, keeping track of all of them. Like, there are just little story elements dropped into these, like very low-key, almost mundane sort of settings, and it does that really well, I think. I agree. I think it's, um... I think it's a show that um, does a really good job of making you care about what is happening really quickly. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you watch a show, and a character will show up, and then maybe that character will show up again later, and you, for a while, you might have trouble remember, remembering, oh, who, I've, who is this character? What's their significance? And I think that's a problem that never pops up in this show. Uh, if a character shows up again, it's always, okay, that's that character. They did this before, and now they're going to probably add this to this storyline. Right. Because you have, like, the girl who's just kind of, I, I guess more like Shotaro than anything, but kind of the very, like, peppy sort of character that really wants to look at the positive side of everything. Yeah. And then you have the cop who is very similar, but he's a little clumsier, I think, just in general as a person. Yeah. So, like, all the characters have, like, immediate, like, you can figure out their flaws, their strengths kind of thing. And so you can immediately kind of identify with these sorts of characters. Yeah. And I think the at the end of the story, the girl actually had very little to do with anything. Mm-hmm. But she I just didn't popped mind. up a lot. Yeah, but I didn't mind, because she was just such a well-realized character who, like, emotionally supported some of the main characters who then, in return, emotionally supported her. Yeah. And she was just good to have around, in a way. And you know what? That's what people are in real life, so. <laughs> and I think the, the 
the different types of mysteries were really good because not yeah. all of them were just, oh, you find a skeleton, figure out how they died. Like one of them is like with this guy who thinks that he's cursed. It's like trying to figure out why he thinks he's cursed and all these other things that are going on around him. Like, you know, this painting that he has that actually has like asbestos in it and is like, you know, slowly killing him, which, you know, makes him believe that he's cursed and does the cycle thing. And there's all kinds of different stuff going on, even though there's like a big um, villain in the background. It's a very like, it's a very slow realization to who this character is and why they are who they are. Does the big villain even show up at all until the end? The big villain, well, he shows up during that arc to talk to the guy. Oh, right. Okay. And yeah. then later on, he is the main player in the final mystery that they have. Which remains unresolved. Yeah, that last... Also, that last mystery, the one with the three girls, it was a little weird, I think, just in general for the show. It was so much darker than anything else. It was a lot darker. It was just... It was... I, I'd almost say it's a little bit of a whiplash with how everything else has kind of been, like, grim, but, like, not quite, like... It's grim, but it's very human, which yeah. makes a lot of sense because these are all characters who just live in a regular world um, with in a regular society. So it, it would be weird to have um, just uh, to have them like react and enforce a really dark storyline. And this one, I think it it hurt a little. I think because I think the sort of mystery that they are solving didn't fit the style of everything else. No, I and agree. The, and the animation was a little odd. Because, like, the whole thing was, like, you know, we have these three girls who, at some point, um, were great friends and then distanced themselves after one of them disappeared. And throughout the whole thing, you're kind of trying to figure out, because there are other characters who have these relationships with these three girls, like the teacher. Yeah. And things like that. There are connections and stuff. And you, you know, you meet their families and see that they're all kind of, like, the two remaining girls are kind of, like, broken. And that all fits within. And then it gets to the reveal. And that one's just really out of place, maybe, it's, it feels. It's really tonally different. And it's also, uh, it's, I, I don't really know exactly how to put it, so I can really only express it by telling you what is different about it. Uh, the, this story arc plays a lot more with uh, metaphors and, like, uh, people's inner thoughts than the rest of the story does. Oh, yeah. Which is strange, and I'm really curious to see if the book handled that, or if the original light novel handled that differently or not. Um, mm -hmm. Or if maybe that was even a whole book on its own, who knows. But yeah, it was It was definitely the weakest link, and yeah. not just because it was so different. It was just a lot worse. It, yeah. Like you said, it was also the worst, like at least one of those episodes were also the worst looking was the worst looking. Because once they get to the big part where all of them are arguing with each other and, like, the puzzle's getting pieced out, like, you can see a lot of the, I think a lot of the seams kind of falling apart. Yeah. Um, characters just start acting not really like real people anymore, which up until that point was, it shows, the show's biggest strength, in my opinion. Yeah, it's like, like, um, I think a comparison. So earlier they have, like, a character who's, like, a huge drug addict who comes and tries to, like, um, has, like, a a big point where he's like about to murder some people. Yeah. And then this one has, and that one is like, he's clearly like not okay. And that's why sort of the animation's weird about him, like his movement and kind of his facial expressions. 
And then this, this last arc does kind of the same thing. It has like kind of the weird, gross animation, but mostly because it turns out that these are just like emotionally unstable people. Um, and I think they kind of try to push that too far to make them seem more or less like they're crazy instead I mean, of just like kind of messed up people. I think it goes beyond that. Uh, there were also just more animation errors than anywhere else in the show in these episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can tell that either they were maybe running out of money and saving it for the final episode uh, or and just trying to like, I don't want to say cheap out, but you know what I or mean. Or it's an adaptation issue, depending on yeah. like, if they had to spread it out over the two episodes and didn't have quite enough, you know, stuff to go over it or if they tried to cram too much in or maybe something, and- something weird happened. Yeah. But still... And in the end, we get left on a cliffhanger for that story arc, sort of. Kind of the arc is resolved, but it results in something that ends up not getting resolved. Yeah, and I think it's better that they didn't try to resolve an arc that big in one episode. Yeah. Because that's something that could easily be its entire own season of work, or like its own book in the original format. So I, I wonder th- if the... I wonder if the final episode in its entirety was original material, because I don't know how you would make... I don't know how that would be a, a part of a light novel. I think that may have been their way of trying to resolve the story as best they could without having to actually resolve any of the stuff that the source material is still leaving open at that point. And I think it's better that way, honestly. I, absolutely. Yeah. They did their best with what I assume they had. Mm-hmm. So I think... I don't know how popular it is or anything. So I don't know if it's going to get more. I've seen a lot of people say uh, some words about the show that I do not appreciate. Like that it's boring. Oh. But it like, it opens itself up to more without feeling like you missed out on anything. That is a good, that's a really good way to put it, actually. Which I think is an important way to look at that in particular. Like, maybe that didn't get resolved, but it didn't need to get resolved. It doesn't feel like that's (laughs) a crux of the series. Yeah. Because sure, it's had minor parts throughout and kind of built in intensity, but it's also a much bigger story that it will need to tell on its own. I don't even know how, I mean, like I said, I haven't read the book, so I don't know how they begin and end, but resolving a light novel adaptation has to be really hard because there are... Like, in a, in a successful light novel series, there are so many entries, and they probably all end on a cliffhanger. Right, for so the possibility like, of another one. Yeah, so, I don't know. Yeah, they, but... They, it was a good, good show. Cyber Song's a good job. show. Um, it's definitely not, I think, what you'd expect out of sort of, like, this mystery sort of anime. Yeah. And I think that plays to its strengths for the most part. I think I had a rough idea of what I, what to expect going in, and while I don't think I was ever really surprised, uh, looking back on it, I also didn't get what I was expecting, which is something maybe a little more um, exploitative, a little more gonzo-ish in its approach. Not necessarily in like a, 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 a sexual or like gory way, but just it was... I don't know, I was expecting something maybe a little more like a grandiose and campy, and that's not what okay. we got at all. Because like the... The description of the series itself is basically just like, uh, this girl really likes bones and with her assistant kind of stumbles into a mystery. Yeah. Like trying to figure out the origin. And so that doesn't give you a lot of idea of what's going to happen or, you know, the setup for everything. Yeah. 
I that think, sounds silly. You know, that sounds like, oh, they're going to go on their wacky bone adventures. Right. Like, oh, they'll find dinosaur bones, you know, just like, or even like very <laughs> mundane sort of archaeology sort of thing. But I think it turned out really well. Yeah. It has Good its, job, Troika. Yeah. It has its problems, but I think overall it's a very strong series as long as you're not expecting something different out of it. I mean, even if you do, it's pretty good. Yeah. Because you can go in with any sort of expectation and then go, oh, well, you know, this is a, this is different than what I expected. And for the most part, I think it does a good job of being not what you expect, but better. Or yeah. at least good. Acceptable, you know? Good job. Looking yeah. forward to all Noah Zero Season 3. Oh, thank God. <laughs> so, uh, next up on our list is Concrete Revolution. Man, do I have words about this. Concrete Revolution is a weird series. Concrete Revolution is good. Let's start off with that. It yeah, is so not a bad. We we can agree that Concrete Revolution is good, but it has failings. And I think it, yes. bigger failings than the other ones we've talked about so far. More, These are failings that encompass a whole show and not, oh, this episode was bad because of this or that right. scene kind of didn't fit. There is a huge part of it that I think could have been handled better or not handled at all and it would have made a much better product. Okay, you start. So Concrete Revolution is about a group of superhumans who are basically um, protecting uh, the general public from other bad superhumans. Yeah, well, or beasts, aliens, as they call it. Or anything like that. There are just a ton of different things like from space and on Earth and genetically created that are all, like, causing havoc in one way or another, and they have to protect them and kind of... They talk about registering them as if, like, to keep track of them. Yeah. To make sure that everything's, like, everything's in order and everything's in check. And it gives you this... It Very early on, it gives you two characters. Um, oh, I can't think of anyone's names now. Uh, uh, I think... Man. There's Kiko, the, the witch. Okay, and then... Yui, Yuji, and Jiro. Kind of, Never mind. I was Jiro. completely off. Yes, Jiro. So Jiro meets Kiko, and kind of like inducts her more or less into the Superhuman Bureau. Yeah. And it is very much a story about. Well, at the start, it's very much a story about Kiko learning the ins and outs of this huge, like, superhuman thing, because no one. Because of different laws and stuff, no one's allowed to report on this. So a lot of this is supposed to be, like, underground sort of stuff. This is stuff that, you know, is kept away from the general public. Yeah. It starts out very much Kiko's learning about the world. And then it gives these hints throughout the first few episodes that something in the future happens and the superhuman bro basically breaks up. Yeah. Because Jiro goes on his own or something. And kind of goes against the Bureau. Here's here's problem number one. Early on, uh, the story keeps switching timelines. Or not timelines, but it keeps going to different... Telling the story as it ha as it is happening in different time periods. Um, and that is difficult, and that's difficult to keep up with. Yeah, it, it's difficult to keep up with because they don't announce it... Auto it do it's not always like announced as soon as it happens. And it also only announces it by telling you the year number based on, you know, like, you know, they're in a certain era. So it's like, this is year 43, and then we go to year 48. And if you don't, um, 
even if you don't pay attention to those numbers, which you won't, because it's not until after you realize that you're having trouble keeping up that you will start looking at the numbers, um, then the show doesn't do a good job of hinting at at what point in the timeline the current scene is taking place. Yeah. And because of that, it, get, it gets to a point where I was thinking, once things start smoothing out a little bit, I'll start like actually keeping up again and putting things into place in my mind. And that that point really never came. So in a way, I feel like I only uh, got about half of what the show was trying to tell me. So I think, and I think the particular time, like, you know, time going back and forth, it worked really well one episode. Okay. And that was the episode where the ghost kid gets first introduced. Yeah. Because it has, it is very much a single story. You know, there's these terrible alien bug people and this is the first time the ghost kid is captured and like used by the superhuman bureau to take care of them and as it skips back between timelines we see that at one point he saved and freed uh, a bug unknowingly part of that alien group and then murdered the rest of her like the you know the rest of her people and so it goes back and forth showing as she's developed and is ready to kill this ghost kid for what he's done and he doesn't know about and the situation that led up to this. I think that worked well. Because that was a good episode, Because yeah. it's a singular story that goes back and forth instead of trying to switch between the sort of like Jiro and companions and Kiko and everyone and then Jiro just goes around like fucking up shit. Because like a I, lot of... I, I do think that was the best episode of the series. Because like a lot of things happen... I think with Jiro that don't always relate to what's happening in the episode before they do the, the time forward. Yeah. So it's hard to keep up with. And then later, then in the last few episodes, we actually get the development that leads to this time skip because we learn that like, you know, Jiro eventually like kind of gives up the superhuman bureau and kind of has a crisis of conscious sort of thing. Yes. And that's come like too late. You've, you've given us too much at the start and then not enough at the end to really build that up. Yeah. And I don't think that particular part of the plot is interesting, even. I think it, I think it could have been. Like, here's here's problem number two that I had coming up. Um, the show has an episodic Monster of the Week structure for nearly three-fourths of the entire show. And that, and, I think, was the strongest thing it had. Uh, sure, but it also means that everything, most of the things that it felt like it was building up to ended up not mattering until the very end mm-hmm. and even then very little of what the previous episodes were about really came together okay. uh, or came to a point so at one point there is um <laughs> i remember i was slightly ahead of you in watching the show yeah and you were halfway into a two-parter and, about, and three- that was and that was just it was a big thing about uh beasts and trying to like integrate them into society yeah or maybe it was even a three-parter i don't no, remember it was okay but you said all right, if or you were partway into the second episode and you said it finally feels like something is starting to happen in the story. And then I said, no, it's just because of a two part in the next episode. It just starts from a blank point again. And it was just, oh, and it was when I watched that, I was just as confused because it felt it felt like, oh, the story is starting up. Finally, I got to start paying attention. But then it didn't. And it just went back to its status quo. Yeah, because at the bit. end of that episode, it's just like, and then uh, the beast stopped being popular. Uh, yeah. And then we got we finished. Uh, it was very weird. So I think for the most part, when it does the monster a week sort of thing, or like the superhuman a week sort of thing, like the episode with the band. Yeah. I really enjoyed. 
That was a that was a very good episode. That was Although, a really good episode, I think. For a series that is surprisingly focused on music, like it has it had two storylines that kind of had to do with musicians. Mm-hmm. It did not have very good music. And it only had like a single insert song for yeah. either of them. But um yeah, it's it's kind of like a whatever sort of music. It's the art style that really um pushes it, I think, to be more interesting. Yeah, it's yeah very, totally. Yeah, it's we talk a little bit about this on the other cast, but it's like it's a vibrant and it's colorful and it never feels like it's clashing or like too busy. Yeah, which is an achievement uh, yeah. considering just how many colors there are on screen usually at once. Exactly. Like all the characters have their own distinct palette. The background has its own palette. Like everything should point to it being like this busy mess of colors. But I think it all fits when it comes down to like the action and everything. Yeah. And I think it's also a very impressive just how distinct and uh like unmessy the individual character designs feel even though if you would describe the individual parts of every character it would they sound like a mess like the main character has this pink hair uh one of it is uh just brushed on one side the other is brushed over his eye then he has a, a coat on and underneath he has like this really thick uh this really thick scarf then he has uh he has the two white gloves but then he also has he has plaid coming out of his sleeves and he has a watch on one of them, but not on the other. And uh, then he has the he has the special arm thing coming out of one of them. Mm-hmm. And also he has a, a silver car that turns into a robot. <laughs> Centaur. That's right. And there's every character has a lot of things going on in their design, but yet they don't feel too busy or like a, a mess of elements. They all feel really distinct and cool. And that's, you know, that's impressive. That's a benefit to it, honestly. Yeah. But then, like, with the main plot, and then even with um, Kiko's plot, where it turns out that she's, like, the... She's the upcoming queen of the underworld, basically. Yeah. Like... That came out of nowhere. That came out of... Well, there are, like, little bits of, like, there's clearly something wrong about her through the whole thing. Like, with the little, like, um, the little, like, Dharma doll that lives within her. That lives within her boobies. There's, like, this whole thing about, like, you know, oh, you know, you can't tell them this. Oh, you know. And, like, clearly she's not from Earth. Yeah. But then it drops this on it, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I thought that that was an interesting character thing because of how it was presented, like the two different personalities sort of thing. Yeah. But the way it integrated into what is the main plot was kind of ham-fisted. When when that first happened, I figured it was just going to be another one-time thing. But then she... um... It returned like in the next episode, and the it, the characters, even the ones that didn't know about this yet, didn't really pay any mind to it. And I was just like, "What? What? What's ex- going on right now?" And it explains lots of stuff, I think, because like um, it ex- well it explains like the the quick infatuation to Jiro, sort of these different like plots. And it's like, okay, this sort of comes together, and then once it gets into the main plot, things get kind of muddy and jumbled and. It doesn't that's, quite fit as well as it should, probably. That's here's number three. All of the exposition was hard to keep up with, or maybe it just was. It just didn't. I didn't get invested into it properly. Because at the end of the at the end of the first episode, when they explain what Gross Ogden is and where he came from, I was just zoned out because I didn't care. There's just a lot. There's a lot of information there, and you can't know which ones are going to be important later. So it's hard to keep in mind everything you need to know. And nothing nothing becomes important until really late, too. Mm-hmm. So 
And may, maybe part of that is my fault because I didn't keep up with the series weekly. I watched it in chunks. So maybe if I had done that, I would have had a better time keeping up with what was going on. But I do think that the series has a lot of major narrative problems. The whole thing seems like build up to its season two. Yeah. And I think that's a failing of storytelling. Absolutely. Because we're not told it's two seasons until like most of the way through the first one. If you had told me ahead of time there were two seasons, I'd say, oh, okay, there's probably going to be a lot of build up since there's 24 episodes to fill. I even I even told you this before they announced the second season uh, that Concrete Revolution feels like a twelve episode cold open to a story that ha- that hasn't started and it and that's exactly it, what it was that is exactly what it is. So while Concrete Revolution is good, I don't know if I could stick with a new season of it because I'm gonna do it. You're gonna do it. I might. I'm gonna it do depends it. on what else is going on that season. Like if I'm swamped with anime, fair enough. But like with Concrete Revolution, it's like this season two is basically everything it has and so hopefully it sticks to being good kind of yeah i hope so too it's a good series with some major narrative flaws if you're going into it kind of unknowing i think it's good enough to watch i'm not sure or it's good enough to keep up with on a weekly basis even though i didn't really but i'm not sure if it's good enough to love Mm -hmm. and that's at least yeah but man it looks so good yeah the big thing it has is its art style which is just fantastic when are they going to release figmas of the all the characters? Because I'll get every single one. Except for the Doctor, he looked kind of weird. Yeah, he's a whatever. So, that's Concrete Revolution. Next up, our last duo show. Yeah. Haikyuu Season 2. Man, Haikyuu is good. Haikyuu is so good. Haikyuu is, I think, the quintessential... Or one of the quintessential sports anime... I think that's what I said on the preview, right? We I said that did. Haikyuu is the best sports series. You probably said that. I think But I so. think, like, there are other sports series that, like, I can appreciate, I can watch. This one is much like those. It's not so much sports-based. It's very character-based. Yes. The sports happen, and the action's nice about that. But the main draw are these characters and the developments they have and how they work as a team. But I, but I think that is the case for most sport, most sports manga, or at least all the most important ones. Like yeah, that's true of Ice Shield. And this has definitely had one of the. I think it has a small enough cast for you to get invested in even like the the rival teams. Yeah. Because while there are a bunch of people on everyone's team, they're more or less like besides the main group of I think like ten on um, in Karasuno. Yeah. Everyone else, it boils down to. About three characters per team. Yeah. So it's easy to get invested in those characters. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're all... They're, what I think is interesting is that every time we get introduced to a new team, it is introduced sort of in the same way, where at first um, we see like their most significant players like play a game, and they just look super like determined and harsh and like someone you couldn't possibly hang out with. But then you get in, you get introduced to them in like a more uh, in like a more casual scenario, and slowly you can see that melt away, and you can get a feel for the actual like character ticks and stuff. Yeah, because when it comes down to it, for the most part. A lot of the characters are kind of like uh, dorks, more yeah. or less. It's like they're all like they're all kind of lovable in their own distinct way. Yeah, and I think um, one thing in particular that I think is really interesting is that the show keeps perspective on that in a way 
by um, continually having I forget what his name is the bald guy from the main team. Uh, Daichi. Daichi. No, da- no, Daichi's the Daichi's the captain. Yeah. Oh God, I'm gonna get so wrecked for this. Is he later. called Yosuke? Um, no, he's not. No. Tanaka. All right. The loud one, right? <laughs> yeah, the loud one. Yeah. Tanaka. Um, when we get introduced to him first in the show, he kind of seems like your, uh, like your average sort of like um punk. Yeah, he, he's yeah, exactly. He seems like a punk. He seems like the kind of character that maybe you could see with a baseball bat with spikes in it. <laughs> and then, like with all the other uh, characters that seem really tough and like jerks at first, you know, he kind of his more goofball persona starts coming out, and he becomes more of a rounded character. Mm-hmm. But then. Uh, occasionally we get to see him sort of lapse back into that punk attitude when he's trying to scare off other teams. Yeah, like, if teams are, like, disrespecting him and his bald head or things like that, you see him go into, like, this sort of, like, you know, angry face sort of thing to be intimidating. Yeah, and I think, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but I think having those moments, uh really helps like consistently pull you back in in the reality of these characters all seem harsh on the outside but more humane on once you get to know them a little bit and that's real that's good you know mm-hmm. except for the one guy from the, the, the like the main villain bad guy from team japan he's just a he's just a jerk right but he's but he's a jerk in a way that's like okay i can't wait to you know see him get beat on the court Kind of yeah, thing. absolutely. He is the he is the villain you love to hate. Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm a little apathetic towards him. But I think that's lie. an important thing is that if you have if you hate a character, that's better than just not feeling about a character. So like, if you're... I do, I do kind of not feel about him that much. Okay, which may maybe the reason for that is that we haven't seen that much of him yet. Yeah, but... he doesn't show up a lot. But it's like you build these characters, and even if you don't like them, you're like, oh, I can't wait for them to get beat, or you know, I can't wait for them to get their comeuppance because they're assholes. Yeah, kind of thing. And with the second season, it's it's not exactly retreading the formula of the first season, but there no. are definitely some um, similarities. It is as much a training arc as it is a character development arc so far. Yeah. Because basically for the last 12 episodes, um, Karasuno is just getting its ass beat constantly. Yeah. But the point in that is that learning that you know, the the strategies that they used season one aren't going to cut it when they get to, you know, the big leagues, more or less. Yeah, and even though they spend the whole season, like, just getting dunked on by better teams, uh, they there are still they still find small victories within that yeah, you see as the, they slowly get better. Yeah, you see the developments of... You basically see developments of every character as they try to figure out where they can most effectively be in the team. Yeah. Because sure, you have, like, Hinata and Kageyama, and they're, like, the powerhouse duo, and they have their little, like, spat and stuff, and then they start working together, and that's a big development. But even all the other characters, the ones that aren't the main two, yeah, all get this sort of, like, especially, um, especially, um, Tsukishima. He gets a whole episode dedicated to him, and I think that really helps build his character, whereas he is really the only one... Uh, of that team that doesn't get any sort of development in first season. Yeah. Well, right. Yamaguchi doesn't either. Yamaguchi, but he's, he's not on the court. Yamaguchi gets more, I think. Because he has oh, that right. whole he has, thing. He has this. Okay, sure. Because yeah. he has the whole thing where he realizes that he's not on the court. So he you know, tries to learn how to. Uh, he tries to learn uh, on his own and with, you know, this teacher and stuff. How to, like, you know, You're do right. serves and stuff. You're right. But Tsukishima doesn't get anything. And he finally gets an episode. And I think that makes him a better character. 
Yeah, the fact that he didn't get any development in the first season comes to a head in this, in a way. Yeah, and I think it plays into the story almost really well with that. Yeah, yeah totally. So, I think season two is just more of season one, and I think that's the best thing it could be. Sure. Is you see all of these characters get development. It doesn't... It's about all of these characters not being geniuses at a sport and being able to develop. Because I think when I was talking to someone about a sports anime, is like, you get a lot of ones where it's just like, oh, these are natural geniuses at it, and that's why they're so good, like Kuroko Nabasa. Like Prince of Tennis. Like Prince of Tennis. And so something with Haikyuu, where it's like, you do have one naturally really talented person. That doesn't hold up a team. You have a whole team that needs to develop and grow, and that's the important part. And even if he is talented, he's not that good. Yeah, like, he's he is good in a couple ways, but he cannot work with others, and that's the real problem. So... The seeing every character develop is really important, I think, and that's one of the things that makes Haikyuu really stand out. Yeah. It's good. There are there are some weak parts about the, this season. Uh, I think they pretty much retread uh the like Hinata and Kageyama's uh initial Animosity. like Yeah. They like they pretty much go through the same arc they did in the first half of the first season, which is really weird. Thankfully that's relatively short. It is actually short. In the manga it's a lot longer. And it didn't it, it didn't actually pay off that much. Um, really, no. all they ended up with is they did some new moves that probably they could have just ended up doing anyway. But I think that still plays into the weaknesses of the characters. Sure. Which is good. Had, had it been better executed, I think it would have been better. Yeah. But it's still like, sure, they're retreading the thing, but that just shows how kind of immature these kids are. And I think to a degree, that's fine. Okay. But... I mean, it also, I do think in ways it, it shows weak, the weakness of the narrative where That's fair. Uh, while it's happening, I actually kind of forgot about it because they don't, um, it doesn't really come to a head until it ends, mm-hmm. until it's over. So it's very much, it starts and then it ends and in the middle there's not much to it. Yeah, because everyone else is developing at the same time. Yeah. So I, I thought that was kind of it, like a weak little it, story It is a part. little weak. That's fair. Um, I agree that there's there's definitely a better way to handle that sort of thing. But I think overall, it's still, you know, one of the best sports series out there. Totally. And a, actually a big improvement over the manga in a lot of ways. The new um, the new manager or the new coach yeah. is really good. Uh, Yachi. Yachi. Because she's much more of a character than the previous one, who's still there, but... The previous one is also a character, but she, um, I mean, she just doesn't lend herself very well to being in the spotlight or being, like, focused on. Yeah, with, like, Yachi, it's like, she doesn't know anything. She's kind of been pushed into this. And so she helps the audience learn what's going on as everyone's developing. Yeah. Because everyone's developing these strategies that are kind of big in volleyball. And it's like, if you don't know about it, you know, it's going to get lost on you. But we have a character that acts as... Uh, as the audience um, to figure out what these things mean, why they're important, etc. Yeah, to That's figure fun. out what a dump or a wipe or a dink is. Right, <laughs> a dink. Because <laughs> I think they they they've they refer to something as a dump and a dink. And one thing about Haiku that will never cease to be entertaining is the like heavy-handed visual metaphors. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole episode about how. Every, you know, all of the characters are cogs in the same machine working together. And every time they refer to that, they have to show a picture of a cog moving against a different cog. 
Yep. <laughs> also, this really terrible thing where occasionally they'll be following the volleyball, and because the volleyball's spinning, they'll spin the screen. <laughs> yeah. It's sickening. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll defend the, the whole visual <laughs> metaphor thing just because, uh, I guess, I mean, maybe I shouldn't because it's an adaptational problem, but in the manga, that is entirely okay because you have that text in there that's probably in a square box because no one's saying it. And you have to put that up against something. And you right. probably can't put it up against people playing because while that is advancing, you have to advance other stuff. Yeah, there'd so be too much... many things happening at once. So either you put it on a black panel or you, you might you might as well just draw some cogs in the background while you're talking about it. No, I'm, I'm not saying it's like necessarily a bad thing. It's just no. something that's amusing. It is. It is happening a lot. Because they, they, you know, it's like, uh, every time they say the word cog, the cogs appear, and they say it a lot in that episode. It, yeah. So it's just a, it's a, it's a fun little thing. But yeah, so Haiku's pretty good. Yeah, watch it. It's, Check it out. Yeah, um, it's gonna have 25 episodes, much like the first season. So, uh, hopefully it comes to a head, because I hear that the next two big matches have been going on for, like, years now. So. It is, yeah. It's been a long time since this last match started. I yeah. mean, not years. It's been... Yeah, actually, it's been two years. Well, since I, I was saying match. the last two matches. Yeah. No, but, well, the last match, I think, has been going on for two years. God. Because uh, it's monthly, right? Is it? Is it monthly? I think it's weekly. It, it runs in Shonen Jump. Oh, weekly then, yeah, Shonen it would Jump. be weekly, so... Hmm. Yeah. So, wow, it's been even longer for that. It, it has been a really long time, if nothing else. This is uh, Haikyuu's... Uh, this is Haikyuu's boat arc. Exactly. I hope they. I hope they condense it a little bit. If they continue with the anime, which I don't see why they wouldn't. I think Haikyuu still gets pretty high ratings. I hope so. It's it's one of the more popular manga running in the magazine. So, mm-hmm. and that's Haikyuu. Yeah. Very 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 a very HQ series. Yeah. Because it's good. It's a high quality. Exactly. Now, uh, Jordan. I hear yeah. that you finished, against your better judgment, Kamori-san Can't Decline. I did, and in a way, I, I only did it for a very insignificant reason. The that fact that, that the Crunchyroll mascot was in the background and you wanted to support Crunchyroll in their endeavors no. to create anime. No, even oh. though I do want to support Crunchyroll, um, <laughs> but not the bad shows they pick up. Mm-hmm. But um, I I dropped so many other shows in this season that, I, <laughs> in a way, I felt, like, I felt guilt-tripped. <laughs> It's a finishing this, and I mean, hey, this is only two minutes, whatever. How like bad could that, this two-minute stuff be? Very bad. Oh. I mean, honestly, it's just, it's kind of a whatever series. Uh, it, it has the same problems that, um... All short my... series you've watched have? No, no, no. Uh, that, uh, I don't understand what my husband is saying has, which okay. is written by the same author, so that oh, makes sense. And that is that it has almost no jokes. Mm-hmm. And the jokes that it does have are repeated to a point where the audience already understands the joke fully, and there's no laughs to be had anymore. Okay, because like when I heard, when I I saw an episode of uh, my or what is it? I don't understand what my husband is saying. And it's yeah. not so much that it has jokes in that it has references, because it's very much you know like guy who goes on two chan looks at a meme, laughs at a meme, <laughs> and wife does not understand the meme. <laughs> That's like that is a hundred percent what the show is. Okay, All right, so well, Kamari-san isn't quite like that. Okay, but it's just um, it's just that a weird situation happens, and I don't even know if it's really supposed to be funny or if it's just supposed to be like oh, a that thing happened. happened. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And in a sh you know, you can have a show, a, a full-length show of just things happening, and that doesn't have to be funny. That can be something you're engaged by. Right. But you can't do that when the things happening are structured and paced like jokes. Okay. Um, so it's just a, a comedy that is not funny and doesn't even feel like it it's tries to be. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it does and it's just very bad at it. Um, and then, because the whole thing is just like, someone asks Komori-san to do something when she's kind of not really in the mood to do so, or it's something that maybe you shouldn't ask someone to do, but she does it anyway. Because that's her thing. That's just her thing. I mean, it's and in the title. There's a really small part uh, about halfway through where uh, the a male, a, a boy character gets introduced. And sort of his thing is that he, he wants to be helpful. He wants to be sort of the helpful big brother character. But because he's really small, nobody ever asks him for help. So mm -hmm. he's sort of like the exact opposite of Komori. Okay. Um, and he goes through about as much character development as you can in a series like this. Okay. And while it's not very good, it, it, it is a little... It, it, was, it was more interesting than the rest of the show was. And then he kind of gets pushed to the sidelines a little. Actually, he, he appears very little after that tiny story arc is resolved. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's just a show that doesn't really have a lot of good about it. Okay. And I think even I read little bits of the manga, and while it wasn't super funny either, it did seem a lot better. Just because of the pacing of a manga compared to the anime? Yeah, and it was just more charming, and also it didn't have any of the just unbelievable fan service moments. Mm-hmm. And this this is my biggest problem with the series. <laughs> the the way... I, I've talked about this on the Anime of the Year uh, cast as well, so you're going to hear me talk about it again. Well, I think, it's I think it's important to know because it's a major failing. It is so... The amount of fan service in this is ridiculous, and the way they present it is... It's incredible every time how they manage to surprise you with what they, <laughs> with the weird thing they do now. It's like they had all this stuff. It's like they had individual fan service moments, uh, like penciled out and they had to condense a whole season of 24 episodes anime worth of fan service <laughs> into 12 episodes in two minutes. And it's ridiculous. Komori will just like take a step to the side and her breasts will bounce straight up <laughs> into her face. There is a part where she gets hit by a volleyball and she falls down and her breasts don't bounce until after she's done falling down. There's a part where she sneezes and only one of her breasts bounce. And then there's one part in the final episode where uh, you see a shot of the back of the boy character and she walks into the frame, but only her breasts come into the frame. And I mean, in in the manga, it's like a thing. Oh, this is, she has big breasts, but it... it it very rarely gets brought up as a point. There's one, like, there's a single joke where it's like, Komori-san is always uh, finishing other people's milk, and that's why she's so tall, and by extension, why she has big breasts. Right. Um, and that, and one really gross, uh, like, uh, chapter cover is, like, pretty much the extent of the way it's covered in the manga. And in the anime, it's, like, so important, even though it's not important to the plot. It's like, every mm -hmm. time I look around, it's in my face. Um, and it, it was just horrible. I couldn't believe it. Like, I wanted, I, I, my intention was to drop the show a couple episodes in. And I should have. And then you felt um, that. I, Did I, you I, feel worse after doing it? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, whoops. It's like, it's like just eating a straight jar of honey. Right. Like, early on you realize that you shouldn't have done it, or that you shouldn't have started. But you but... keep going because you're already no, just no, no, like... No, 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 Early on you realize that you shouldn't have done it, but at that point it's like, you know what, I'm not too bummed out about the fact that I did this yet. 
mm-hmm. but then you carry on, and then by the end, you realize just how big of a mistake you made. Right, but by that point, it's too late. You've already eaten all the honey. You can't uneat the honey. Right. So take that Take that in mind. This is the thing you learned from Komori-san. Don't eat a whole jar of honey. Don't do it. You're going to end up with... Um... Enormous breasts. <laughs> yeah. Like, comically large. Oh. So big. <laughs> also, like, it has, like, a 40-second ending, even though it's a two-minute short. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. And for a show that feels like it definitely could have been used, could have needed more time to put things in, uh, that is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, next up, uh, my mystery series that I watched, besides Sakurako-san, and the one I was more interested in at the beginning, uh... The Perfect Insider, Everything Becomes F. Yeah. It is... So it's based on, I'm pretty sure, a real book. And it's... I'm gonna try, like, not spoil it as much as I can. Okay. But the idea is basically that we have a two locked room murders that happen nigh simultaneously. Hmm. And it is believed that the same person committed both of them somehow. And we don't know how. And the whole thing... Is it called The Perfect Insider because he was inside when he committed the murder? So, no, um, that, that... Both of the titles, Everything Becomes F and The Perfect Insider, both make sense at the end. Okay, sure. Of the story. Yeah. But, like, the whole thing is, they go to this, um, island where a... A genius who murdered her um, family, or her parents, is locked up. Basically, this is her solitary confinement. She's not in prison, because when she did it, she was 15. But now she is secluded on this um, island to kind of divulge in her studies and not be... And basically be away from society. Okay. And by the time they get there... um, kind of the like the power dims like something fails in the system even though the system has multiple fail safes and the door to her room opens and her dead body is pushed out on a cart and so that's the first murder all right then the second murder is this um this helicopter comes carrying the uh the the genius's sister and the helicopter and when they find this first murder they go up to get the helicopter guy to call the police but he's been stabbed as well. And, like, the radio's been cut, and so they have no way to contact the mainland for now. And so that's the current mystery. And the mystery is, how did these things happen, and who did it? And for 11 episodes, there's a lot of that sort of, like, faux philosophical sort of, like, empty talk that, like, lots of mystery shows like to do. Great. Kind of like, you know... What, you know, what is humanity? What is, you know, the perfection of, um, you know, what are emotions kind of things like that? Things that play into this philosophy that they're building around this, like, genius character who's very clearly, like, separated from how everyone else thinks. That's kind of the idea, like, you know, she's so pure because she has kind of removed emotions from the equations, looks at everything very logically, very systematically sort of thing. And so it's a lot of this sort of, like, faux philosophical, like, pandering kind of thing. Even into the end, where at the end, they have this huge twist. Something that, like, there's there are technically hints to it, 
but there's nothing that would lead you to this conclusion based on the hints. Okay, here's 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 what I want to know about the okay. about the twist. Does the story feel complete before you get to the twist, or does the twist finally make everything fall into place? The twist is the only reason anything makes sense. Okay, that's a bad twist. Yes, that's not how you it's do a bad twist. twist, and it ends with more sort of like. I think philosophical is the word that people use for it, but um, okay. this sort of like this pandering of like, you know, kind of continuing to develop this, you know, this woman's sort of like identity and these sort of things like that. And it continues to build up this character as supposed to be like so different and unique. And it's just like at the end, the the way that everything develops just like falls super flat on its face. This sounds like the worst thing of all time. It. It has a, it has a, I think a really great buildup. Like there's a lot of neat touches and everything as they kind of unravel pieces of the mystery. Yeah. And then the actual solution was just like, was just like a crock of shit. Um, uh. and that it really sucked because I was like drawn in because like, you know, even with all the like dumb philosophical sort of talk, it's kind of expected. And I think it built into how these characters looked at the mystery differently. Because yeah. you have someone who's very emotional, someone who's very analytical, both looking at this and trying to figure it out. And again, there are like hints and everything, and you get that certain like certain like uh, aspects of things you're looking at have certain significances. But mm. until the end, there's no way to piece together what happened. Man. But like, there are really cool ways it tells the story. Like the last minute and a half of every episode is dedicated to us seeing this genius at 15 right before she's, like, killing her parents. And you get a look into her life and what's happening around her and how she's developed this sort of, like, world view. Okay. Which is neat. It's a really neat way of presenting this sort of information. Because there's narration happening over it from the characters in the current time. Okay. So there, just, that is neat. there are so many neat touches to it, and then the ultimate mystery falls flat because the story seems so far up its own ass with proving that this philosophy of like no emotions, sort of like pure analytical sort of thing, is good and not bad. That everything just like <laughs> by the end is just like I just got major burned on this <laughs> shitty mystery. Who would have thought that an A1 Pictures production could fall apart halfway through? Motherfuck. <laughs> it's never happened before. And the thing is, like, it was 11 episodes, so I expected it to kind of start wrapping up faster. Yeah. I didn't expect it to wrap up that fast or that poorly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was just... It was wow. Like, I, I can't even be like, oh, you know, watch it until this point. Because, like, if you watch until that point, you'd learn nothing. Yeah. But at a point you learn something, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so like if you're still interested in the concept you can watch it and enjoy it but personally like it's just hard to recommend because of how bad the ending is so yeah that's the perfect I guess, insider i guess everything becomes f is just talking about the marks you give this show <laughs> exactly i <laughs> got him you, di you didn't expect it to be like that at first but that's just what that's just what you got exactly Oh, and then I have one more show that I've finished and is currently airing. It's called Brave Beats. Yeah. Now, Brave Beats is... So, comparisons are... Um, if you followed Sunrise's original like dancing anime, Tribe Cool Crew, uh, comparisons are bound to happen. 
but they're two distinctly different shows. Uh, Tribe Cool Crew is very much about building this group of people up as, like, better dancers and friends and kind of meeting these different, like, dance-styled ideologies and kind of growing as people very sort of, like, slice-of-life-y. And yeah. even when the main plot kicks in, it still builds on those themes. Um, Brave Beats is much more of a shonen series. It's um, it's about a small group of people that are basically given the ability to transform into um, dancing fighters. Like, when they do different dance moves, they actually do different attacks sort of thing. And it's about... It's a, it's a Monster of the Week sort of thing where they have to collect little dance stones on Earth... Uh, in order to learn these new moves, because the main is it Dancearian from the planet of dance is named Breakin, and he wants to be the king of dance. That would be Dancian. Hmm. That would that should be Dancian. No, he's not called Dancearian. No, they're called Dancearian. Then, then they would be from Dancer. It happens, but okay. um. So in the the first episode, Breakin shows up. He's like, "Oh, I've learned all the skills of dance, and I'm gonna kick your ass, King." <laughs> I know every dance. <laughs> yeah, he knows every dance, and he, so he does this sweet break dance, and then the king is like, "Nah," and strips him of all of his dance powers and scatters them across <laughs> Earth, which is the <laughs> like mecca of dance. Of the night. Yeah. He just takes all of the dance stones and scatters them across Earth, and it's like, alright, so you're going to go to the mecca of dance, Earth, and you're gonna learn better how to dance. And so, now, in order for him to use any of these dance stones and powers, he has to fuse with this kid um, named Hibiki. When they dance and they're not on Earth, do they also have to dance in the direction of planet Earth, like how you pray towards mecca? No. <laughs> oh. But, um, and so it's a very, like... Monster of the week, they have to find the stone because the, the stones, when picked up by a normal human, will like, um, corrupt them more or less. Based on their inner desires, something will happen that causes the dance stone to go out of control. Okay. For example, like in one of the episodes, they have, um, like a police officer who's really sick of doing, um, traffic duty, like directing the cars to go at certain intersections and stuff. Right. And he really, and so when he picks up this dance stone, he's like, oh, I really wish I could, you know, this, he's, well, first of all, I was like, oh, this could cause an accident. So he picks it up, puts it in his pocket. He's like, oh, I wish I didn't have to do traffic duty or this would go faster. And it gives him this weird power to like do a particular dance move with his hands that also causes like winds to pick up and a huge tornado starts of cars. Oh. It's uh -huh. like, <clears throat> it's like fantastically silly in how it does <laughs> this sort of storyline and stuff. But it's a very different show and it, Shows that in having a a very like typical sort of shonen protagonist who really who keeps having these arcs of not wanting to go along with this because it's such a it's so different from his normal life and he's not comfortable with this sort of change and constantly having these fights with uh, his dancerian part uh, partner uh, about whether or not he can work as a team or if he really can do all this dance stuff and that gets a little tiresome it's a little weaker of a start. But they're slowly building these casts into better and better people. They're slowly meeting more people who make connections with other Dancerians. Like, they have a team of three now. Okay. <clears throat> and I think, as a rapport, it's better with a sort of a bigger cast. Because not only does it give you more um, possibilities when it comes to actually like doing these choreographed dance routines that they always do for the shows. Yeah. It also helps these characters build because you have very distinct characters all helping each other sort of gain different worldviews. And so it's it's very much a kid's series, and it's very much different than the other one. 
It's a little bit of a weaker start, but I'm honestly really enjoying it. Uh, <laughs> they did a sweet Christmas episode where Big Buff Santa comes and dances. It's great. They're cool. just like, they're like really nice touches of just like, that sort of like absurdity that will draw you in and a way to keep you interested in all of the little things that go on with it. But is the dancing good? <laughs> yes. Um, the dancing I think is still good. Maybe not as good as, um, Tribe Cool Crew to start because it's a smaller group. I think as the team builds, it's going to be better because I think with the more people, you have more options. Okay. But the dancing is still good. And, um, I mean, like the previous series, they have actual dancers come and do these routines to these songs so that they can make them into animation, which is really nice. Do they still, um, do they still like animate directly off of the footage, like rotoscope it? Or it's, is that, it's, not, not rotoscope, it's but it's 3D. Okay. It's 3D right. off of like the, like the models that they get from, um, I guess like, uh, motion capture. That's all right. That's what I thought. Yeah. Or what I was thinking of. Which, I okay. mean, I, I can understand why, because having to animate that much dancing as often as they do it in different situations would be a lot of time. Sure. So it's, it's fair, but, uh, still enjoying it. That's something I'm going to keep up with. Cool. Yeah. Now our drop shows. All the shows not good enough to watch. Which this will probably go quicker than the other ones just because it's like we there's a big flaw and we can just move forward from it. Yeah. I mean not in this first case actually. Because okay. first up on the list we have Young Blackjack, right. which is um a show that I don't think is bad. But it is just Cause you know, watching anime, it, it's not like it's not like uh watching a show on Netflix because be um we are people who don't speak Japanese, who, right. like, need the subtitles to be able to follow along. Um, it's uh, it's, a more, it, it's forcibly a more active viewing experience than most other viewing experiences. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm more inclined to drop an anime than I would be a TV show, I guess, just because uh, it, it, it would take more out of me to watch it. And if I don't like it, then why would I continue? Okay. And that's kind of how I feel about Young Blackjack. It's not necessarily bad, and it, I, it's not like I don't like it, but it just did not grip me beyond a certain point. Mm -hmm. I think it started off with a pretty good first episode, and I do think it got worse after that first episode. But if the whole series had just remained on the level of the first episode, I don't think it would have been enough to keep me watching either. Okay. Um, but the big thing about it, basically, is that... Uh, Blackjack himself is a very distant character. Uh, even though we get a lot of internal monologues from him, they're very empty and they don't really give us any insight in how he feels, what he thinks, or why he does. Like they're analytical more than they are emotional. They're analytical and sometimes they're kind of like uh, prosy or um, they're like kind of poetic in okay. a way. But yeah, they don't really. They're, they're all pr pretty much useless, in a way. Um, he's just not a very interesting protagonist, and that that is fine, but his supporting cast isn't that much better, either. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a lady who is, like, a, um, uh, a medical intern, and she doesn't really have any defining character traits. Like, she's kind of, like, a little high-strung. That's kind of it. And then there's another doctor who's, like, a, a, a drug addict, or at least he was at some point, and he's in a lot of depth, debt. He is not a very good doctor either, so he can't. He's not very good at surgery, and he's only able to really assist Blackjack in what he does. And he is a character that I think could be interesting, but they don't really give him any time to develop, or at least not early on. And I think 
all of that was good enough for a while. But then the show starts getting into its multi-part episodes and everything just goes so slowly and there's so little going on. And not in the sense of, oh, there's no action going on, but... But, like, literally there's nothing... There's no, like, attention drawn to a particular thing. There's just very little of relevance, basically. And what little there is, uh, is just doesn't happen quickly enough. There's, like, a really extended scene of young... of uh, Blackjack talking to a reporter in a bar... And that scene, that amounts scene to nothing. Probably, it not to nothing, but it could have probably been cut down to a minute, and mm-hmm. we wouldn't have lost anything. Not even any like set dressing or like mood setting. Okay. Um, it just feels it, the whole series feels like a waste of time, and it has no reason to exist. It's a really, um, it's a really bad extension of the Blackjack uh, series intellectual well. intellectual property, I guess. Okay, uh, it it's. Nothing like Blackjack, even because even though Blackjack is a lot more goofy than most of Tezuka's other stuff, mm-hmm. this is really it's very campy. It's it's a farce, and Black the original Blackjack isn't really a farce because it plays it know it knows what it is, and I guess in a way this also knows what it is, but it doesn't know how good it is. Okay, um, if you've seen the opening, you know exactly what kind of weird sort of 70s style this show is going for. And I don't know. It just didn't do it for me. Okay. Blackjack deserved better than this, I think. <laughs> All right. Makes sense, then. Yeah. All right. So next up, uh, I have a dropped one, which is Heavy Object. I think I talked a little bit about this in the other cast, but more or less it boils down to it's a neat idea. But it's a light novel adaptation, and boy, is it light novel. The, the writing is <laughs> In just... In that it's not novel at all. <laughs> the writing is just, like, abysmally, like, juvenile. Uh-huh. Like, characters just... It's it's on par with characters just saying how they feel, sort of, like, oh. type of thing. Where, like, I feel like they talk a lot and nothing <laughs> is worth listening to from it. Uh-huh. Like, they talk all the time. But when they talk... It's like they're talking at each other instead of, like, with each other kind of thing. Okay, So yeah. dialogue just feels empty. Um, the, <laughs> there's definitely a part where a character talks about a girl's flesh mounds uh... instead of saving her from the fact that she's dying. <laughs> like, this woman is being, like, choked by the fact that the restraints on her seat because she drives the mech are too strong. And it's like, well, I could get her out because I could cut these, but then I might touch her boobies. And then he, like, does that for, like, you know, a a full minute before, like, (laughs) it's fixed by someone else. And then they just, like, berate him for not doing anything. So when when you said earlier that characters are talking at each other, do you mean that in the sense that it sounds like they're constantly trying to get one over on each other? No, I... It's like... Like, imagine having a conversation where you are saying something to someone else, but none of the things that they say back at you relate to the thing that you said to them. Oh, okay. It feels like they are saying things to each other, but they are not actually having a conversation. And the writing is just, like, so juvenile that it's, like, hard to get over. Especially when, like, the it takes a while to sort of get the plot moving because they introduce all these things right at the beginning. Just, like, you have to know everything about the world ahead of time so that you can actually appreciate what's happening later. Yeah. But like there are some neat ideas. It's a hundred it's as far as I got, is entirely about like the fact that their object, their big tank, 
gets destroyed, like, first episode, or second episode. And the okay. rest of it is this group of three, the uh, original mech pilot, and two basically, like, foot soldiers, having to figure out how to fight off these other bigger mechs without their own. So they have to, like, sneak in, and they have to do these, like, different things to kind of, you know, trick their way into the into the mechs so they can hijack them or defeat them with different means and stuff like yeah. that. There are... There's a neat idea in there, but it's just executed like shit. Okay. Is this the one where I told you so? Or was that Comet Lucifer? <laughs> uh, uh, I don't think you told me so on Comet Lucifer. Okay. I mean, I don't want to be that guy, because I have watched plenty of uh, anime that... I, I it was probably Heavy Object since it's a light novel thing. Maybe. Well, Comet Lucifer was an original idea, but... Does it... Um, This is something I've started noticing about light novels. Does it have that thing where it feels like the author had a certain series of ideas that they wanted to tell, and then the story was written in such a way where everything was written just to get those ideas across and the rest of the details were paid no matter and were just either filled with cliches or with nothing at all. For a little bit I saw, I think there were moments of that, but I did not get very far. I made it two episodes. Uh, oh, okay. Which wasn't right. even the end of the first arc where they captured one of the tanks. Huh. Like, I... It just, like, I lost all interest episode two, so... Well, all right. Next up. Next up, uh, Hakadal the Animation. I mean, this is this is a show. Yeah, Trigger. <laughs> That's what I was going to say, but... Uh, yeah, I heard just <laughs> enough to know what you were going to say. Uh-huh. It's, um... I mean, I wasn't sure about the show going in. Like, it, it looked very... It didn't necessarily look bad, but it looked like it could very easily be bad. Mm -hmm. um, but it started off pretty strong. The first episode wasn't very convincing, but it had a it had a bunch of good jokes and a bunch of like funny animation moments. And that's always good. So I thought, yeah, I thought it was good enough to like uh, give it another shot. And then episode two and three, I think, were both really strong. That uh, they were just like funny, good pacing. And way better at doing Trigger's signature, oh, this is funny because the animation is bad, than Kill a Kill or uh, Ninja Slayer. <laughs> uh, but not as good as Inferno Cop, because that's just how it goes. Uh, but then episode four was just really gross. Um, it focuses on this dude who is just super into dating sims and okay. just can't but cannot talk to girls in real life. All right, I think and I've then, heard about this before. Uh, and then, normally there are three main characters, mm -hmm. and in this episode there's only one. And the one that gets sent to this guy is the one who is the most, um, I guess, ditzy? Is maybe not the best way to put it, but it's the one who seems the least emotionally aware. Mm -hmm. Like, there's another character who's really tired all the time, but they're, like, pretty smart, and they know what's up. Okay. And this character clearly doesn't. So it's this whole episode of her not quite throwing herself on him, but him sort of vaguely getting those messages just because of, like, the the way she kind of, like, acts strangely. Mm -hmm. um, and that just... That's not okay. That It was right. gross. And a bad episode. And I just... I lost all hope, because, you know, Trigger has done this before. Mm -hmm. What a shame. What a shame. Because I... it From the, like, bits of, like... Uh, different like animation bits I saw it seemed like it it was able to balance sort of like the quirky trigger sort of like powerpoint presentation cutout sort of style 
with an yeah. actually animated style, you know, depending on the gag, which is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there is a, there are some moments where I think the animation is just cheap and not cheap to be funny, mm -hmm. which is always a shame, but right. you know, it is what it is. It just always stands out in trigger shows because they handle it differently when that happens. Right. Uh, but then there is, like, some parts where it does genuinely enhance the joke. Like, there's a part where uh, <laughs> a character freaks out because at the very end of the episode they accidentally activated the self-destruct button. Mm -hmm. And they do, like, a funny screaming face. And it's more funny because, like, it zooms in on their face. <laughs> and all trigger shows are, I think, digitally animated. So when it zooms so in, like, the quality the, like, decreases dramatically. <laughs> and it's just... But it's like a really fast shot to like once it's done zooming in, it immediately cuts away. It's just, <laughs> it was just timed so well. And it, like the expression was really good too. And, and I think that's kind really of like moment. a clever thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's, just, see, that's good. And I wish they would do more like that. Yeah. So, oh. you know, it just, maybe after that it turned good again, but yeah, I just couldn't do it anymore beyond that episode. All right. That's fair. Yeah. So next up, I've got Comet Lucifer, which I think for a while I was, uh, I would have pushed it as like a Gurren Lagan for like, uh, smaller children than that audience. Because it's very much a similar sort of story, kind of like with how it integrates mechs and these like different characters, particularly one that's like built out of this like valuable mineral that exists in the, uh, in the story. But like, at some point, it just like, it's a very, it's a very by the numbers sort of show in that style. I think predominantly because it is for children. Yeah. That I just like lost interest, and not because it was bad, but just because it was the sort of thing that I ultimately wasn't interested in. I don't think that's um. I think that's a good I, excuse. Is not the right word, but it's close enough. I think saying that something is for children uh, excuses something being by the numbers. You can make something incredibly original for children, and they yeah. can still be just as into it. But I think that's a thing that tends to happen with children's shows, that it kind of hits the same trends a lot of the time, because Absolutely. they know what works. And I yeah, think but this... that, is, that, that is a strike against it. And so there are that. things about it that I, you know, there are fun and stuff, like, and apparently in later episodes, because uh, one of the characters is like a, uh, makes bread... There's a point at which they they show up to a fight scene with a whole bunch of, like, government mechs. It's like, oh, uh -huh. they've just got bread. But then it turns out that inside some of the bread are grenades. And so they pull <laughs> okay. the pin on this loaf of bread and throw it at a tank. And then also a later one, there's, like, the like a French loaf, like, really long. And uh -huh. it breaks in half and there's a gun under it. <laughs> there are, like, some cute things about it. And, like, just the setting and everything is very vibrant and neat. But there's just something about it that didn't resonate. I think I can already tell what's wrong with this. And the when there was oh. when there was a bread with a grenade in it, it should have been one of those toasted buns that has like the chain link uh, oh, pattern on dang. it, because then it would look more like a grenade. But uh, like I think the biggest thing that happened um, that really confirmed that I didn't want to watch it anymore is it does that thing where it introduces like the stereotypical like uh, you know over the top villain sort of thing. Yeah. And did that thing where, like, the villain seems to have this, like, orgasmic response to, like, being evil. Uh-huh. And that, like, really, really turned me off from continuing on. Because it's one of those things that I just find generally uncomfortable, even if it's not supposed to be, like, a weird, gross thing. 
because it's just like, oh, this person is like stereotypically like, you know, a bad guy and yeah. is nuts about it. It's still just one of those things that makes me uncomfortable with like the, oh, yes, yes, you know, get hurt more or whatever kind of thing. I want to see your face of terror. It's like, it's just like a, it is, the way it's handled just really ruins that sort of thing for me. But that's real, man. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's Comet Lucifer. How much of this did you watch? Uh, three or four episodes. Okay. So you were trying at least. Yeah, I, I gave it, I gave it a good shot. And I think for the most part, it's still like there's good parts to it. It just wasn't for me. Okay. But do you feel like if like, stuff like the gross villain hadn't been part of it, you maybe would have liked it more? I might have gone on think... for longer. I don't know if I would have kept with it. Okay, so you think even the even the, its good parts aren't like strong enough to hold up the show? At least for me, yeah. Okay. So last on the drop list is um, Utaware Rumono, The Falls Faces, is mm-hmm. apparently the official translation, mm-hmm. which, you know, sure. Um, and it is a show that Right at the start, I was very unsure about it, because it introduces the main character in such a way that you can tell that the game it's based on is takes place from the f- from the first person perspective. I guess it's one of those um, like visual novels where you're always seeing other people in their text boxes, but you barely ever get to see your main character okay. because it. it it introduces a, a male character that's very common for those type of games and that he's really he's really sour kind of person he, he's not really good at anything and he he's really stuck in life and he, he's just kind of rude a little bit he's very inconsiderate um, and that you know you could make a protagonist in in that mold that's good um, and I think this one he becomes better as the series goes on but he, he starts off as a very poor character and that's kind of a weak link at first okay is that he's just kind of a dick. Uh, he's very unhelpful, despite the fact that the main character, uh, the character that uh, gets saddled with him, is really nice to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, but right off the bat, the thing is, the setup is just not particularly interesting. None of the characters are really engaging, and the world is very generic. Especially the monsters, which go beyond fantasy generic into light novel generic. Mm-hmm. Even though this isn't a light novel adaptation, but there you go. Um, and then as the series goes on, at first it seems like it's getting a little better. Uh, <clears throat> the main character finds his calling, and we get introduced to a bunch of side characters who are a little bit more interesting. And there's uh, some, the, there's like a subplot that has some intrigue to it. And it seemed like this show was building to something good. But then, eventually the main plot kicks in, and it is not interesting. It is about just uh, some guy who is a political leader or but he's doing it in secret but then he's also like a a, a guild leader sort of like a um what's the word uh uh when you're when someone fuck <coughs> what is it called when a whole bunch of people from one pro- profession come together to try to get better benefits uh, from their uh, like a union a union yeah he's sort of like a union leader as well and there's this whole like big political intrigue going on, and it just it just didn't seem interesting at all. And then the amount of fan service started ramping up more and more. Um, even though at first there is this one really incredibly funny scene where uh, the main female character, who is like not really a tsundere, but she has she has flights of that. You know, if uh, someone saw her naked on accident, she might punch them. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. 
is uh, she's like uh, taking a bath together with a much more meek character. And she's talking to the main character like, hey, if you uh, take a peek, I'm going to kick your ass. And he is <laughs> he is just like somewhere completely else and he doesn't care at all. <laughs> Great. And I just, I just thought like that was a really funny moment, and like a little subversive for... sort of thing. Yeah, and normally when you do that, it's sort of it's meant to paint the main character as just like a completely innocent type who definitely didn't want to touch the boobies that one time he did on accident. Mm-hmm. But this wasn't that at all. It was just genuinely like this guy just doesn't care, um, and it was it was really funny. Um, but the show just went in directions that just didn't interest me at all. Okay. And that's basically it. All right. And it's a shame because it was, it started off not that strong, then it showed potential, and then none of that potential paid off. Mm, That's unfortunate. It is. And also, it's 24 episodes, so even if I liked it a little more, I wouldn't have stuck with it either, because that's too long. Because I I occasionally keep up with other reviews and stuff of it, and apparently, like, the plot has just started really showing its face. Oh. It's false face. Ah, nice, got him. And also, I hear the fan service just keeps getting worse and worse, which checks out. There is this. There is one character who is like really, really into the idea of the two main male characters getting it on. I mean, that's cool. Um, yeah, which was sort of funny. Like she's just really into the idea of gay sex. <laughs> and so, some of that was funny. Some of it overstated its welcome. Some of it wasn't funny. And okay, it 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 ran the full breadth. Yeah. All right. So now we have our mid-season pickups. Yep. Uh, I'll be starting off with mine. Uh, I watched High School Star Musical, or Star Mew, at the behest of my girlfriend. Um, well, because it starts out, the the one thing that really draws it compared to other, like, male idol sorts of shows... Yeah. ...is that it completely um, removes the element that a lot of the others have that kind of hurt its storytelling. Okay. And that is a female lead. Oh. So instead of having the female lead be there to, like, be fawned over and fawn over these characters and cause this sort of, like, you know, cause these sort of, like, character interactions to happen of jealousy and sort of stuff, it's just about five dudes learning to work together in a... at a, basically, school for idol or musical-like groups of students. So... And the thing about it is it's um, it's the studio's, like, second thing that they've done, and their first original project. So you can see a lot of the shortcuts taken in order to make it still look good. Yeah. But one thing that stands out is they don't um, revert to 3D for, the um, for, like, dancing and stuff. It's all done in 2D. They make sure to draw it all out. And That's while, nice. And while it can be a little choppy because of that, I think it shows more dedication to the thing. Because they're not also doing as much dancing. Uh, Like, they have their big performances, but a lot of it is still these characters developing and creating their team and their bonds and sort of stuff like that. Which is really good. Um, The characters are a bit cliche. Kind of like standard tropish sort of characters. But in the context, they all work well because it doesn't spend a lot of time with this sort of like animosity between everyone. And everyone has a reason for the fact that they act the way they do. Like, yeah. like it's not just, oh, this character is going to be the like the guy who thinks he's better than everyone because, you know, he's a you know, he's a jackass. It's like this person is someone who already has a place 
in like a sort of like performance sort of community. He's done shows and stuff. So he's pompous because he already knows a lot of the things, but on a solo level. So yeah. he's not to work with a team. And other ones, it's like, oh, you know, he's got family in the business who are a lot better than him and are treated better than him because they're more popular and things like that. So you have characters that actually start to develop and grow. And as a team, they become better people because they learn to work off of each other's differences and stuff. Okay. So that's neat. And then one big issue with it is that while it's predominantly, um, like a lot of the shows are, it's about this group of people learning to develop and grow and these character development, they, they have a subplot that's basically about two of the... So they've got a student council at this school uh, of five people. And they're like the best of the best at the school. They're like, uh, they, they, they graduated already, like top of the class, and they are going to teach new students how to be as good as they are. Okay. And we have the main, the main one for our important team, Otori. And we've got another one who I literally can't think of the name of because that's how much I do not care about him. But okay. there's the two of them. And halfway through, it is revealed that these two are brothers. And at some point in their childhood, Otori um, had his brother taken away from him by, like, um, I guess the, like, head family, because they've got, like, the head family and branch family sort of thing, like, kind of classic Japanese sort of, like, family development. Yeah. And he's taken away and, like, is treated really poorly to force him to become, like, the best of the best, a very classical sort of performer. And so through that, he becomes a huge asshole and kind of continually tries to get in the way of the main characters becoming better by constantly trying to sabotage them more or less. So that already, like, makes him a villain character. And then when they try to make him sympathetic, they dedicate an entire episode to this sibling rivalry that in the end has no, um, has no effect on the plot whatsoever. Uh, they have an entire episode that is effectively worthless. And that really hurts the pacing of the rest of the story because, like, basically they sabotage Otori's team in such a way that Otori is no longer part of the student council. So they're not, so this team is no longer given special treatment. They are as normal as it. everyone else and they lose all the, like, standing that they had from kind of their better performances before. So then the last a bit of the arc is like, them rising back up and becoming better people. Cool. You know, kind of rising above this whole, like, huge thing. And so Rise that, above hate. Right, exactly. So that entire episode could have been cut, and the story arc would have been no different, and everything would have been exactly the same, and it would have been paced a lot better, in my opinion. It's, it's a very cut-and-dry sort of series for what it is, but I think it's a good representation and a good, like, start for this company that basically hasn't done anything else. Good. With some major flaws. But it's like, you know, it's good on them for being able to create this with as little as they had. So that's that. Okay. Um, I've got two and a half shows, and we're already running way over time, so I'll try to, like, sort of be quick about them. Uh, my first mid-season pickup was Is the Order a Rabbit? And I don't remember why I did this. Uh, <laughs> I think we were watching all the openings and endings for the season and you told me, oh, apparently this one isn't that bad. And that's good enough for me, so I went to check it out. Um, and it, it has funny jokes. It has a lot of funny jokes. Okay. Every once in a while. But also it 
plays things it tries to be cutesy in a very generic and boring way how chaotic um, is it uh it's not even that it's not chaotic it's too precious for to be chaotic okay i think um so like it, it's too afraid of making it's less edgy than chaos <laughs> It, no, Somehow. you know, it's not, it's not less edgy than Kaon. I'd say it's more edgy than Kaon, but it's, it tries to keep its characters, um, like, I guess pure in a way. It, okay. It's too afraid, of, it's too afraid of giving them real flaws, so it gives them, like, strange jokey flaws. Right, like, oh, this one only likes black coffee kind of thing. Yeah, no, not like that, but it's like, oh, this one. I mean, this is a bad example because this is the one I thought was actually really funny, but there's this character who's really obsessed, obsessed with just being a normal girl, even though she's, like, really weird and violent <laughs> and, like, really obsessed with guns. Uh-huh. In this otherwise, like, really goofy and cutesy series. Okay. Um, so, like, that's kind of one problem I have with it. it, it the way it treats its characters is a little, feels a little weird to me. Okay. And then there's just, like, there's so much fan service in the show. Really? It, it's just, yeah, it, it really took me by surprise, even though there's a little bit of it in the opening. But there was just... One of the characters is introduced, and they're... Uh, <laughs> The characters I, men- I mentioned earlier is introduced, and her two biggest character traits are on display right away, in that she is almost naked and she's wearing a gun. Okay. Or she's carrying a gun. Uh-huh. Uh, which really, you know, she's violent, that's one of her character traits, and she's sexy, that's her other character trait. And that's basically... Don't all the characters look like babies, though? They- yes! But one of them just happens to have very large breasts. <sighs> okay. Uh, and it- it's just... I think maybe I would have gone halfway through it and possibly even finished it if it hadn't been for all of that. Okay. And maybe that makes me childish and a prude. And then that's just the way it has to be. Yeah. And that, that says the order a rabbit didn't like it that much. Those are those are traits that we can respect in you, so that's okay. Thank you. Uh, then next up is Tontai Team KZ Jika Note. Right. And this is a show that I originally thought of picking up, but I didn't do it for one reason or another. And then... You watched an episode for me, and you told me that's all right. And that's good enough for you. Yeah, that's good enough. No, it wasn't at the time, though, because I didn't actually start watching this for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, But then eventually I did, and I ended up actually liking it a whole lot. I think this is one of the better shows of the season. When I watched it, I considered going on more, but it's like I kept falling behind because of, like, classes and stuff, so it's just like I never was able to get back to it. Because, like, the first episode is all... Because it's a short... Yeah. But, like, a five-minute short. And the first yeah. episode is all uh, introducing the characters and, at the very end, introducing that a mystery exists. So yeah. it's, like, hard to go, like, okay, well, I can continue with this because that's it. And it's it's a children's show, so the mysteries are a little whatever. Because I think um, the first one's just like, oh, someone's bike got stolen. Someone, yeah, but uh, I don't mean in their the sense of what the mysteries oh, are, okay. but in the way they are presented oh, and okay. the, like, big reveal ends up coming. Um, but I think was it was just it was very it was it was just a kind of a fun enjoyable show for one but i think it actually did uh some stuff that was really interesting both just for being a children's show at all and for the way it handled it because for example you can tell that the main character uh, aya is not neurotypical mm-hmm. um but this is never mentioned or even focused on at all mm-hmm. uh, early on she mentions that she has a really hard time like uh making friends and she likes to just keep to her own so from that you can already tell okay, there's, like, something a little off about her, but maybe that she's just anime awkward. Um, but then there's a, a series of moments later on where some, like, awkward thing happens between her and the rest of the of the Scooby-Doo gang. Mm-hmm. Um, and after they all, like, leave, she's like, oh, man, the friends I just made, I'm gonna lose them because of this weird thing I did. But then it turns out that to them it's just this minor thing. 
And that's something... That's real, man. Uh, that is something that people who aren't neurotypical or, like, in some forms, uh, like, they deal with that. Mm-hmm. And there, there's some more stuff like that, and I thought that was really good, and it really helped round out her character a bit, even though otherwise she's just, she's a pretty, like, normal, basic character. Okay. It was just all, it was just really charming, like, it was, all the characters were fun, and the way they interacted was nice. How, um, how many episodes does it take to finish a mystery, since they're all, like, short episodes? Between three and four. Okay. Yes. Uh, and it's actually, it's still going. I think it's going to be 24 episodes, because episode 13 came out today, yeah. and it started a new mystery. Yeah, and so it, why... it can't be the end. Yeah. <laughs> and it said it was part one. So, you know. Uh, um, yeah. It, it also had a really interesting art style that I have a hard time describing. I keep wanting, wanting to say that it looks like Digimon, even though it really doesn't. You, you know what it looks like? What? It almost looks like that, like, 3D manga maker. In my opinion, like, just the way the big eyes are presented and the face and everything. No, don't say that. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think I think that's an accurate way to look at the art style, but it's like, it's definitely animated in 2D. It's definitely different, but that's the first thing I see when I see that art style. Yeah, but it is, uh, it's very it's very free-flowing, and maybe that's what makes me think of Digimon. It's, mm-hmm. um, the characters do, they don't go off, um, like... Uh, off-model. Off-model, yeah, but... Um, it doesn't stick to, like, the same somewhat stiff limb-based movement that anime often does. Like, characters are very flowy, they move in very loose motions, mm-hmm. and that's really nice. But And also, the color design is kind of interesting, because all the, char- all the colors are really bright. And not bright in the sense of they're very heavily saturated, but literally bright, as in they're a little blown out. Mm-hmm. That's, that's fairly unique. And, I don't know, I think I, I'm having a hard time, like doing a hard sell on this show. Okay. But I just thought it was it was really fun and it doesn't have a, a lot of flaws. It doesn't have any flaws, I think. <laughs> Except that maybe some of the characters don't get the focus they deserve. But okay. maybe that's still coming. Um, it's it's listed it, as unknown number of episodes, so who knows? Maybe it's ongoing, who knows? Maybe it'll um, last forever. One character really looks like Tsukushima from uh, Haikyuu, and they act oh, yep. pretty much the same, too. <laughs> uh, yep, the glasses kid. Yeah. All right. And then one more. I, I guess this counts because I watched more episodes of it than is The Order of Rabbit. Um, Astro Score is the worst show this season. It, <laughs> why? Nothing, no, okay, everything about why it is bad. You, you watched, I don't remember. You watched bits of Astro Score and Chivalry of a Failed Night. All right. I only watched one episode of Chivalry of a Failed Night. Okay. And maybe I should have continued watching that instead of Astro Score. Because it was better? It, it was a lot better. Um... I've I've watched bits and pieces of it after the first episode, and Chivalry of a Failed Knight looks really nice. It has a very distinct art style, and uh, it is it has a couple of really good jokes and gags. Um, whereas Astus War is even more devoid of anything good than Sword Art Online is. I literally have <laughs> not a single good thing to say about this show. There is every single se- like every moment of it has so many things wrong with it, but in a very uh, in a very meh way. It's just no one tried on, on this production. I, a lot of people worked hard, but they didn't... Um, mm-hmm. Not because they wanted to. Okay. No one put their heart into this show, basically. Right. And um, It feels I much, mean, very much like a cash-in. Yeah, and I, I said earlier uh, about like the light novel thing, where light novel stories often feel like 
the author had a single idea that they wanted to tell, and in writing, they focused on that idea and everything else they just quickly glossed over or just, like, filled in with cliches from other things. And that is... It's just all over the place in the show, man. Mm-hmm. It's just bad. I was hoping that maybe it could at least be, like, uh, sort of, like, a anime snack food, but it's actually hard, it's hard to watch okay. in a way. Not because it's gross, but just because it's it's overbearing in how with how bad it is. Uh, but then also not in a train wrecky sort of way. It's it's just, man. <laughs> it was an experience in how just not to be, how not to live. <laughs> All right, that's just sort of really bad. <laughs> well, thank you for your review. Uh, ever tiring, Jordan just like looks at the bad things. Yeah. For me. Alright, and I think I mean, that's there, there, all the stuff no from good Fall. There were things to look at. I think that's all the Fall. Oh, you mean the bad anime. Yeah, I meant the bad anime. Okay, yeah, I did that. Alright, so, uh, no new, um, fan mail came in for us. Damn. This, this episode, so get on that. Why aren't you, why aren't you doing that more, guys? But anyways, uh, that's it for Fall 2015. Huh. It was a season. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was disappointing. I it think. had. It had some of the stronger shows from this year, I think. But yes, also, it is, had plenty true. of shows that just like fell flat for us. It had. It had plenty of shows that I think could have been better. <laughs> um, but I think that's still better than just having a lot of bad shows. So that's fair. If you had to give this a rating out of five stars, what would you say? Um, three and a half. I don't. No, that's out of ten. Basically. Oh. Uh, I'd say closer to three and four. Okay. Um, I think I might. I think I might even give it a two. Mm. But that's. I guess maybe that's my late podcast bias speaking because we ended closer to the bad stuff than the good stuff. Yeah. So I think yeah, three three out of five is more fitting. Because there are definitely some good shows. There's definitely some good things happening in the shows that are continuing on. For but sure. There are also plenty of shows that burned us, or just had like a big issue. I think. And next season is looking a lot better, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Um, definitely, I think, more excited for a lot of the shows coming here in winter. Yeah. So, cool, cool. All right. Anything else you want to say? Um, first episode of Princess Stride was pretty good. I watched it without you. I'm what sorry. What the? <laughs> Jordan, how could you? I'm sorry. That's okay. It was just up, and I was up. <laughs> And I've already waited a day, man. Yesterday was agony. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why Funimation even like makes a point of the fact that their shows are late. Because I thought it was just the way they handle things. But apparently, them delaying a, like the launch of a show is supposed to be a surprise every time. Well, Haruchika apparently made it out on time. So, oh, is that right? Well, I better go watch. Yeah, that, that. happened during the show. So, damn it. <laughs> well, then hurry up with the ending. <laughs> <laughs> I've been chirps away. I've been Jordan. And this has been Chaco Disaster. See you guys next time for the Anime of the Year podcast. Whoa. We already saw it all. We I know what's happening in that. Spoilers! Chorps dies. What? <laughs> <laughs>